everybody, and welcome to episode 344 of Video Game Apocalypse. I, as usual, am your host, Michael Raparez. Who else is here joining me in the mystical, magical, your name here, memorial studio of the airwaves? The Italian man, Chris Antista. And Baby Yoda adoption coordinator, Matthew Allen. <laughs> and joining us for the first time ever, special guests... Hi, uh, I'm unfulfilled stretch goal, Steve Guntley. <laughs> and I am extra bonus goal, Woody Siskowski. <laughs> Thanks for joining us, guys. Where where can people hear you normally? Oh, yeah. Well, we're the hosts of the Ultra 64 podcast. So that's the podcast where we are playing through my entire complete collection of Nintendo 64 games in completely random order. And uh, we're, we're about 180 games deep at this yeah, point. So we're halfway. really cruising along. Uh, and we're having a lot of fun with it, yeah. Which number was the one where you had Diana and I on to talk about Goldeneye? Oh, we had you on episode number 107, because I was trying to do something with 007, <laughs> ah, but I missed my opportunity clever. a while ago, so... <laughs> but About 100 episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> our, our, our listeners have learned to be patient. All you have to do is wait for the 1007th N64 game. They made that. Yeah, game, exactly. Right? Any day now. Any day now. <laughs> It'll happen. Well, they... Well, yeah, they, they might there's new ones. They keep kickstarting them, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be from limited run games, and you'll never get a copy. Hmm. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that, that, that brings us to our top five topic. We traditionally begin every show with a top five, and this one was suggested by VGA alum and friend of the show Dave Rudden. Crowdfunded games, because we just got Shenmue 3. And mm-hmm. this is a topical thing that I, th- I think more and more, it, you know, crowdfunding for the last 10 years has been proving itself to be a viable way to at least get games to the point where they can grab the attention of publishers, uh, possibly be self-published, whatever. You guys actually tackled this in a recent episode this year, because like an actual N64 game got kickstarted and published mm-hmm. in 2019. Astonishingly, yeah, yeah. (laughs) There was a game back in the late 90s that came out on PlayStation called 40 Winks, which uh, those of you paying attention to uh, video games in the 90s, like I know y'all were, uh, you probably (laughs) caught an ad for that at some point or another. Think like uh, gameplay Banjo-Kazooie ripoff plus Little Nemo Dream Master. Yeah, little little hints of Tim Burton thrown in there. Uh, That that is is a 1930s uh, pop culture reference. 40 Winks. (laughs) 40 Winks. (laughs) A reference to sleep, uh, millennials. Just so you know. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So the the I this is one of the few Kickstarters I've actually supported, just because I'm like, oh, okay, a new N64 game. That's relevant to my interest. Uh, they there was originally supposed to be a port of Forty Winks on the N64. The original game kind of flopped, and then the company went out of business. But the game was done and ready to go, but they just never got the capital together to release it. So cut to 20 years later, this company out of San Antonio, they uh, bought the source code and they hosted a uh, Kickstarter to get that launched again on the Nintendo 64 in the cartridge and everything. And uh, they it did very almost, well. They surpassed their yeah. goals by quite a bit. Wow. And it still took them quite a long time to get that game out to us. Which is very bizarre because not only was this... I mean, it was an unreleased game for the N64, but it was a game that existed in a very comparable form on PlayStation. It's yeah. not like you were seeing something totally new. Yeah, uh, it, it was an odd thing for it to for that to take off. I think there was a lot of interest in just having a new Nintendo 64 game, kind of regardless of what it was. So when it finally came out, we did review it for the show, and it was just kind of very meh, like right across the board. Yeah. But it's just kind of an interesting thing that it exists at all. Yeah, it's I think, uh, Well, I think that uh, N64 games are notorious for delays, and that's when people were buying the system. Right, and, yeah. And if you think you're disappointed <laughs> by a Kickstarter 
I, I, my heart goes out to fellow Misties who, uh, you know, that's the most oh. I've ever paid for a Kickstarter, oh. and they took our mystery science away. You know what? They they gave us two really fantastic seasons on Netflix. Like I, I have no complaints about that's those true. seasons. It's sad there won't be more, but I really liked them. Best exorbitant amount of money I've ever seen. You can see my name in the credits of the third episode. It takes, <laughs> oh, no, it takes a couple minutes. But nice. <laughs> I, how many N64 games are there? So your series is finite. It's yeah. There's 297 total in include, the in the uh, U.S. Yeah, yeah, in the U.S. There's like five, closer to 500 if we go with all the imports, which we will not do. <laughs> but we recently started a Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/Ultra64Pod, and we're using that to kind of branch out beyond Nintendo 64. We're playing lots of other games. We just posted an episode about Eternal Darkness, which was going to be a Nintendo 64 game until it got bumped. Uh, and we had another episode coming up on Battletoads, you know. So we're we're branching out a little bit. The love N sixty four game Battletoads. <laughs> yeah, we did we did play Sin and Punishment as well, which is oh, a yes. well known N sixty four import. Yeah, yeah. A lot you know, of fun I, I really that. liked your Eternal Darkness episode, except when the volume oh. just cut out in the middle of the episode. It was really strange. <laughs> <laughs> My head started turning around in the studio for some reason. I had no idea why. Yeah. I'm, I'm, kick, I'm, I'm, I have a Patreon for my podcast, patreon.com slash lasertime, where I play every uh, Google Stadia game. It's called Stadia Mania, and we should be wrapped before the end of the year. Yeah, oh, excellent. Nice. Yes, perfect. In 4K, I'm sure. Yeah, well. <laughs> well, that's also the Patreon for this this podcast as well. But uh, It's true. It supports the whole LaserTime network, Michael. Yes, it does. It does. I just wanted to make that clear. But do, do you think you guys would ever do the, like, 64DD games? Get into that weirdness? You know, people have asked about that. I, I have... I, I want to look into that a little bit, because they're... I don't know. I, I need to get a hold of a 64DD, and then I want to track down some of the copies. A lot of the problem is I don't read Japanese, you know, so a lot of the... Uh, <laughs> Uh, a lot of the import games would be lost on me. But. So stay stay tuned for our Sidewinder podcast where Steve <laughs> learns Japanese <laughs> in audio form. Yeah, like, it will be uncomfortable. Yeah, There's got to be an unreleased N64 game for that. Yeah, there's yeah. got to be, right? Yeah. Press C right for kanji. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to dig into the top five kickstarted games or I guess crowdfunded games since not all of these are kickstarter according to us right after this would you like exclusive bonus podcast commentaries and more from the laser time crew then we strongly encourage you to support this show on patreon.com slash laser time it supports not only this show but all the rest of the laser time network you'll get commentaries play games with the hosts see exclusive videos first and receive an uncut weekly ad free podcast bonus time speaking of which here's a quick taste like I just saw the TV movie of it for the first time like a few years ago. Never seen it the before. TV movie? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you oh. obviously didn't rent it when it was on VH like two giant VHSs because it was it's really long. It was aired over two nights in like 1990, and that's why it's like it, it's at some at times it's like a really straight horror movie, then other times it like really pulls its punches because it's airing on like ABC or some shit. And yeah, that, no, yeah, that's where I would always watch it. It would just play on cable TV. Yeah, and 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 I saw that, and I was and and I was like, I really like this, except for the adult parts. Why is that there? <laughs> yeah, that was, yeah. So when I found out they were splitting the movie in two to the adult parts, I'm like, that's a terrible idea because like this is this is the dumbest part about the entire story outside of yeah, the, the it, kid that, orgy it, in the book. Yeah. So watching chapter two, I mean, I like Bill Hader, yeah. <laughs> but. The pacing sometimes felt off, and it wasn't really scary. Oh, and, le- and let me say this. 
I walked out of that movie and still think I enjoyed the fuck out of it. I had a great time. Oh yeah. I, I grabbed no, I mean, it, my like, friend's arm, his his son's arm. We had a great fucking time. But when I but I also on further reflection, I'm like, was that terrible? And was that a horror movie? <laughs> it was and, not good. It was fun. Get bonus time, a weekly uncensored and commercial free podcast every Tuesday, starting for just five dollars on patreon.com slash laser time. And we are back to talk about what, Matt? The top five crowdfunded games. Michael, you got to give the figs of the world their due. The yes. Indiegogos, if you will. You can Indiegogo <laughs> to hell if you don't think if you don't mention Indiegogo. <laughs> as long as you're Pokemon going to the polls, though, that's the yes, important that's, part. That's the important. <laughs> well, if you want to get topical, if it's we're talking about crowdfunded games, don't your tax dollars buy those NFL stadiums, man? <laughs> I prefer to Deus Ex go to the polls so I can sneak past giant robots. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> All right. Well, let's begin with number five. I am definitely gonna get laid tonight, man. Sure you are. Hey, Adam. I was your girl. Did you bang her yet? Bugsy. Anyone ever tell you to shut up? I need to go drain the lizard. Chris, I know you know what this is. I really don't. Uh, I am, I am so like, baffled. Yeah, I, I, I don't before, know. I don't want to derail our Friday the 13th discussion, but I wanted to get one more poll joke uh, in there uh, with my Bernie. I need you all to head to the poll position. This is a video game <laughs> reference, right, people? You look like a real jerk. Yeah. Well, here, here I was going to make it clear reference. to you with this, Chris. Here comes the Jace Jace. I know it now. <laughs> here comes the Jace Jace. You said the Jace Jace? He did. He said the Jace Jace. <laughs> What you to, I just wanted you to escape once, Dave, not die instantly. <laughs> oh, my God. I forgot about that. Yeah, sorry. I, the, the Bugsy thing threw me for a loop. I was trying to think, what 1940s property yeah. did they kickstart? Mm-hmm. Like Chris, I, no, I have to go. My brother has a headache, and I can't keep recording this podcast. <laughs> it's Gun Media's Friday the 13th, the game we streamed numerous times in the middle of the day with fucking five-year-olds. Yeah, oh, very popular with hmm. five-year-olds for some reason. I d- can't imagine any of them help kickstart it. Chatty five-year-olds at, at that. I can't even. How do they even buy it? I, I don't know. Well, their well, they don't. That's why because... they're watching watching you stream it, right? Yeah. 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 Oh yeah. Hmm. No, well, no, they were know, playing. Just, it, it oh, shows okay. you what a different time we're living in. We're like, it was so hard for me to get Friday the Thirteenth anything when I was their age. Whereas, like, it's the middle of the day. You should be in school, and you're playing a game called Friday the Thirteenth. That shouldn't need an ESRB warning. Your parents should know what that is. That's probably it's why great. it's why their parents bought it because it's like, oh, I remember these from when I was five. <laughs> yeah. I, again, I, keep, I always call it like it's the best. It might be the best game based on a movie ever made, or at least the most authentic game based on a movie ever made. In that you all know how everything's going to wrap up, but it, it, it allows itself to do so so differently because the asymmetrical gameplay every time. It's fun to watch and enjoy. It's, it, it becomes a, a semi-enjoyable Friday the 13th fan film every time you play it. No, it really is. This is a fun one, yeah. But yeah, even though this is number five on our list, this, I think, set the record in terms of fundraising. I'm looking at its Kickstarter now, and it's sitting at eight hundred and twenty-three thousand seven hundred and four dollars raised. Wow! Wow! Uh, hey, which, full disclosure, I helped. I helped contribute to that. I got nice. like a, a two copy backer set, whatever. Hey, number five is still one point more than its IGN review score, so it's got that <laughs> going for it. Wow! 
I, I may which, have bumped which, other, those things. other better this games a, because Chris could talk about this. This is a game. No, but but here's the thing: the game became much better over time because they it was a yeah. service game, and so they mm-hmm. they they added all this cool stuff to it. But it's also a game. I don't think it's a reviewer friendly game. Uh, it's the type of multiplayer it is and stuff. Like you guys have written reviews, so you know how it is. Like when they were reviewing this thing, it's just a bunch of editors, and it's a game that needs a whole lot of people out there and. You really have to play it a long time to fully kind of... It, it, Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like it might still do this, or at the very least when it launches, like, you didn't get to choose when you were Jason. It was sort of random. Like, I think no, you got I, to vote. I'm not sure you do, uh, even now. I'm sure there's, like, a maybe a mode where you can pick that, but yeah, you never know when you're going to be Jason. Yeah, and, and so it's like... <sighs> Yeah, it just reviewers weren't kind of this thing, but it had a huge fan following, obviously, because it was it was even crowdfunded. But but even after that, like that's Michael, I was telling you um, a lot of these games on this list. It's so funny. My first encounter with them was completely after the 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 crowdfunding campaigns were over. Like I just knew of this thing because it it was played so often and streamed so often and talked about. And like, yeah, this thing, it still I think has a pretty active fan base, although. Uh, they can't make any content for it because, as Chris explained during Elm Street Nightmare Season 2, a lot of the right. stuff got tied up in the rights issue with Friday the 13th. Yeah, that that weird loophole, because I'm so old now, uh, after, what is it, like 30, 35 years, um, the rights to some, the the rights can revert back to a writer after 35 years. And now that I'm almost 40, I'm watching all my favorite things uh, get into legal disputes. Yeah. Mm. And doesn't, like, LeBron James own the game now? or? Yeah, LeBron James owns the uh, the rights to Friday the Thirteenth at this point, right? I think so. It's a producing a movie, but like in That's terms of the it. rights okay. to the characters, it, it's it's the writer of the films and versus like Sean Cunningham, the director of the film. Right. And I, I, I've, there's appeals going on. I think they're finally able to get something done with the game. It's just that like, yeah, it it, it does. It didn't work well for reviewers because it like breaks the rules of what multiplayer was, especially like four or five years ago. Which is that, like, uh, it's difficult to understand. You can't really pick what happens to you. It's incredibly random, but with the popularity of games like uh, PUBG and to a larger extent Fortnite, like, people kind of love the randomness and. God damn it, cat. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the randomness and, and, like, you never know exactly what's going to happen, and it makes this game that could that could have been, like, a, a brief and with lacking content, like, it, I don't know, like, it's the only game where, like, oh man, I hope I'm in here with randos and all their mics are turned all the way up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I any game that can create like a memorable like story that you can share with people, either through having people watch you stream it, like it's a very good game for people to watch stream, or to go later and be like, man, did you? I'm going to share this story, of this game I played. You know, it's kind of like your gameplay is automatically set up to kind of go viral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And just and just like the movie, it's like. If you're a camper, you know you're fucked and you're probably not <laughs> going to make it and you're not mad about that. But every, everything you encounter or you might find, a gas can, keys, flashlight, walkie-talkie, you are given a little bit of hope, as are everybody watching. And it makes it exactly like the the authenticity to the movies that the game presents is just so unmatched by anything else I've I've played based on a movie. Um, no, they really, they really, really nail the vibe. This is a game that was like, kind of so successful i forgot it was a kickstarted game Mm -hmm. until i was kind of looking up like a list of kickstarted games i'm like holy shit now wasn't there some kind of controversy about this one stepping on like uh dead by daylight's toes or something like that like 
kind well, of I mean, they're very similar game types. Yeah. I think um, Dead by Daylight was out by the time that this this came out finally. Right. So mm-hmm. okay, yeah. so it was already out. And, but it, the 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 development story of this game is quite fascinating in that I mean, yeah. it started as this other game completely, which which is clearly I think you know when we talk about like they nailed Friday the Thirteenth, they did you know they nailed the formula right of like well of the of the first few movies and but that's a pretty generic formula now. It's just a slasher formula where I think the first game was called like Slasher Volume One summer camp you yeah. know but it was very much like yeah we're trying to be camp crystal lake we just can't say we're camp crystal lake we're camp it was like camp forest green or something <laughs> but then i think they shop they showed it to sean cunningham and he like immediately loved it and then it yeah i might have my timeline wrong but i think that's when they did the the kickstarter campaign is once they had the the license on board it was like okay now we really need some money because we want to make this a, an official yeah, Friday the 13th yeah I, and i think because it, it worked it didn't work backwards necessarily but it had to be up front we're like we do have some funding for this yeah but we need if we, we want this to be a friday the 13th game officially we're gonna need the community support to get a little further because that is one of the one of the larger properties that ever had to be kickstarted in the gamer medium, like yeah, everybody's yeah. heard of the Friday Thirteenth license, and, and I remember and then, yeah, like the the different pe- getting the different people on board. I think those were stretch goals. Like if we make this much, yeah. we'll get Kane Hodder to do the mocap for Jason. If we make this much, we'll get Tom Savini to design the effects. <laughs> if we get this much, we'll get Corey Feldman. They did not get Corey Feldman. But, <laughs> oh, no. what, what is he doing? Come on, he's the most achievable. Yeah, you'd think. <laughs> also, getting a license like that essentially makes the kickstarting idea like a much more achievable thing because if you just right. go with like Slash or the game that looks cool, you know, you're, if you have the Friday the 13th license, basically you're like, oh, now we can do targeted ads to people on Facebook who like Friday the 13th. And this is also kind of the way the crowdfunding is going, this kind of hybrid approach where it's like they do have some funding, like some corporate funding, but they also are kickstarting it as a way of demonstrating the viability of the license. You know, yeah, that's how they go get investors because to it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hate to tell you listeners, but it takes way more than eight hundred thousand dollars to make a video game <laughs> like, it's yeah, like yeah. That, that was just that, that's it's called just a proof of concept where you, you say, hey, look, we've got enough consumer interest for eight hundred thousand dollars worth of consumer interest here, which then, you know, they can extrapolate and say, oh, well, then, yeah, we can probably count on making, I don't know, 10 X that or some eight million dollars, whatever, you know, and they, they just, you know, and that's how they get additional funding for this thing through investors. And in this case, it paid off because I think this thing. It's, I think it's rather successful for them, or it was rather well, yeah, successful yeah, for them. It, and it was a PS uh, Plus bonus game at one point. That's oh, how yeah, I got yeah, it yeah. And uh, a couple months ago. And I played it quite a bit, and I never, ever once beat Jason. Never mm-hmm. once. Uh, I'm, I'm also very bad at video games, but I, I never once got him. I don't know if it's uh, – I'm sure it's possible. It's, well, it's, it's one of those things that, possible, that requires – ne- I've never looked it up because Dave seemed to know how to do it, but we couldn't – it was so difficult to recreate because you yeah. need everybody playing to know what order yeah. you need to do things, yeah. and you have to find all that shit. Call Tommy Jarvis back from the dead. It's wonderful. It, I think it, the trick it, it is, is there's a lot of luck. Yeah. You, have, you have to lure him into the sewer, dump a bunch of toxic waste <laughs> over him until he turns into a child, <laughs> then, then you murder the child. child. Yes, I mean, exactly. you're not too far off from the actual way to kill him. It, they do take really from aren't. the movie lore. No. It's really, you have to put on his mom's sweater, which mm-hmm. you find in her little cabin. Which you know if you play the NES game. I mean, come oh, on. yeah, yeah. Everyone then, knows that. Yeah, yeah that, that will, like, distract him or stun Jason. And then, yeah, you have to, like, knock his mask off. And oh. then I think only Tommy can can kill Some, him. Someone on your team has to have died. And you had to have found a phone that then you can call a dead player back as Tommy Jarvis, the only famous murdered person in, in Friday the 13th history. 
in three right. movies, and he has a gun, and Jason has to be stunned by his mother, <laughs> dropped to his knees. You have to knock his mask off and then shoot him in the face like three times. As to, I, right. I forget that I could be I'm wrong, I'm missing a detail or two, but it's difficult to recreate even when everybody knows how to do it because it's all randomized. That's and they got really one cool, of the real That's, Tommy Jarvis's yeah. too. They didn't get Feldman, they but they got they got Tom Matthews who played him in mm. G Six, I believe. Right? Lives? Yes, six. Part yes, six. Mm-hmm. that's my favorite. Yeah, yeah, and, and they so good. They have added things since it launched, since the days when you were playing. Like I'm, I'm sure that they can't add anything right now, but like they, they added, for example, a single player challenge mode where you're playing as Jason, and that, that's where that clip at the beginning comes from. It's a little more cinematic, where there's some setups like, oh, campers are doing something, time to go and kill them creatively, and <laughs> uh, and that's you, you can just play that way and unlock stuff and. Uh, Hear a lot more of uh, Jason's mom. Yes, you like that asshole. Do you know what your gift is? No matter what they do to you, you cannot die. You can never die unless they take your mask off and shoot you in the (laughs) face several times after stunning you with my sweater. (laughs) Hose you down with toxic waste in New York City, maybe Toronto. We don't talk about that (laughs) now. That, I can't think of any other video game where you can kill an enemy with a sweater. Mm. I'm, drawing, I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> Might be the only but one. But I think someone should get on that. Yeah, it seems like something Jackie Chan would do if he killed people. Maybe Kirby's <laughs> Epic Yarn? I don't know. I haven't played it. But that would that would make sense. Well, I mean, other than the original NES game, which I think wasn't one of the stretch goals, the purple NES Jason outfit as well. I, like. I, I can't remember. I know. I, I believe know. that's an unlockable thing, but I can't remember if it was temporary or what the deal with it was. I th- I think it was there. I remember seeing that yes, when I was it, playing. It definitely so it does. Was there. Because I think NECA Toys made an amazing toy out of the purple Jason color scheme. <laughs> I know yeah. I had their RoboCop toy. It's wonderful. Well, I, I mean, I know it's selectable in the game because I, I almost distinctly remember like Dave selecting it during a stream. We, so. we did. It's in one of the preview images. I, I definitely remember it. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. But that was the thing we could we couldn't really guarantee it was going to show up because in that at that time you could never select whether you were Jason or not. Hmm. And. Yeah, and this, and this is so wondrous because I, I, I would always call sometimes like crowdfunded games, I mean, not typically, but stereotypically, I would call them Rod Serling games. Like, Dave really wanted this game to come back at all costs. There's so much <laughs> that he was willing to foot the bill and wait six years. <laughs> Little did he know, X, like everything else that's happened with Kickstarted games. Like, it's usually a genre that's been abandoned by the publisher. Whereas this was like a high profile thing that everybody's sort of like, I get it instantly, want to see it. Uh, and I'm saying that as someone who may have kickstarted a game called 90s Arcade Racer that I've never played. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it, it, that doesn't have a license, but it's, t- it's trying to be something that's been abandoned. Kind of like a should it be it should be a rock and roll racing thing. That's my hope at least. That'd be great. Well, I, we, it was more like yeah. a like an arcade racer. Like you're somehow racing next to where people are setting off hot air balloons and set up dinosaur robots. <laughs> oh, perfect. <laughs> nice. Well, let's let's have a parting shot from Jason's mom before we move on. Make them suffer like we did. Suffer like G did? I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> uh, is that Ooh, warbling sound doing anything is. for anybody? No, is everyone the, okay? The, 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 the small sound. <laughs> The reverse Chris, is your cat like tearing shit up again? <laughs> <laughs> yes, that was Laser Cat. Oh, no, that this is uh, Super Hot. Yes, it is. Oh. It is. That was, super huh, that was, hot. I didn't know that was crowdfunded. 
Yeah, yeah. well, super hot because it started as like a flash demo or something online, or it was like an online browser game, wasn't it? Before, I don't, or maybe no, that I, was I think the it, proof was, it was concept. a demo. Uh, yeah, okay, so it was originally developed for the 2013, reading from Wikipedia here, the 2013 seven day FPS challenge. And uh, team programmers were given a week to develop complete functional prototypes for games. The demo that they created got enough attention that they were able to begin the Kickstarter and try to fund it as a full game. Oh, okay. Yeah. And that concept, the whole, like, time only moves when you move, I mean, that's what makes that game. That game Mm -hmm. is... it's not really a shoot. I mean, it's a shooter technically, but it's it's more just like a puzzle game of how do I get from here to here and grab the gun in midair and yeah. stuff before the enemy bullets can reach me. It's so fun and so cool. Speaking of someone who has so, has so many so many problems just getting out of bed in the morning, I wish time only moved when I did. That would that'd be amazing. <laughs> but then you would never. You would just go to yeah. sleep and no progress would be made. You just, oh, just an infinite pause. Yeah. <laughs> This this game is even more fun if you've just like seen John Wick, yeah. Because it it very much is that style of game. It's just this super frenetic, crazy ass action game that is happening, and be- because of that uh, whole mechanic where time only moves when you do, like you can be way more of a badass than you would be if everything was just moving like a normal shooter, and you can do really creative things, especially in super hot VR. I don't know if you guys have no, really played I, I it. No, I have it. I have not no, touched I, it yet because I thought I got to finish regular super hot first. No, but I, but I hear it's it's a different enough experience where it's like it's technically the same game, but it feels very different enough to to be worth the play. Yeah, well, it's it's, it's like a greatest hits version, like re- reuses some of the same levels and scenarios, but you know you're in VR. On an Oculus Quest, it is a real workout because you will actually have to duck around Hmm. and move your body to dodge incoming bullets and grab flying guns out of midair and then turn them around quickly to shoot at people. It's it's really an amazing experience. It it reminds me of the only good thing about the recent X-Men movies, the Quicksilver moments. Mm, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. totally that. <laughs> I haven't played Super Hot yet, but I have recently finished playing What the Golf on Apple Arcade. And there oh, is yeah. there's an entire oh, nice. level in that game, or like five or six levels, uh, based around Super Hot. So like it's the it's the white and orange or the white and red uh, schematic and it's the time freezing mechanics and everything like that, except you're just using a golf ball instead of <laughs> guns. And sometimes you're using a golf ball with a nice. gun. That so, game is so good, dude. <laughs> what the golf is is oh, I keep going back to it and I love Yeah, because they have so many references to like other games in addition to Super Hot. It's really clever. Like I never would have thought a mobile golf mini game collection would be one of my favorite of the year, but it's absolutely going on my end of the year list. That game's phenomenal. <laughs> um as a sort of side note to that. Um, I played a lot of the game Enter the Gungeon, and one of the power-ups in that, you can get the Super Hot Watch, which basically changes the game of Enter the Gungeon, which, you know, is this top-down shooter, to have that same mechanic. So if you just stop moving, all the bullets stop moving. And if you sort of barely push the stick to walk, everything goes in slow motion. And it's really weird to take a game that's sort of been this, like, you're used to, like, the twitch shooter mechanic, and then be like, now you stop. And now you walk. Um, And it just sort of makes me realize that, like, it's not very fun in in Enter the Gungeon, which is a great game, but I get the watch, and I'm like, you know, I don't really want to just stand around. Whereas, like, in Super Hot, the game itself, everything is built around that mechanic. So it works really well. It's not yeah. like it's just some gimmick that's thrown in to an already created game. It's like, okay, we're going to build mechanics around this. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's funny. Mm. One of this year's hits, Outer Worlds, has mm. a very similar mechanic with the time slow in that if you... 
don't do anything, it lasts a very, very long time. And you can just kind of look around and assess the situation. But of course, because you're always fighting enemies, you're like stressed out. And so you immediately start to shoot. And that makes your meter go like way down really quickly to the point where I was like, I just stopped using that. I became so powerful. And I was like, yeah, this is nice to have, but I, I do not need it whatsoever. I, I just keep using it because it's like a "Hey, you stop!" thing. <laughs> it's just to slow down your enemies as they're trying. Yeah, to run yeah. There's away. been a lot. Of, I don't know. There, there was a time where like the time slow mechanic was new and novel, and like games sort of were built around it. And now I feel like it's kind of a mm-hmm. thing that they throw in games as an additional mechanic without sort of making it a focal point. And usually, when it's used in that way, it's not very satisfying. Whereas when it's sort of built yeah. around, it's still a lot of fun. Because, like, the Max Payne games, that's basically, like, the only mechanic in that game. Mm. Is it's just, like, a shooter and you can slow down time. And that's enough, you know, because the rest of that game is so good. But if you just put these slowdown mechanics in another game, it doesn't really help anything. And yeah. you're just like, I'm not going to mess with this. I remember bitching about that as a game reviewer. Like, by the time it made it, like, Tony Hawk and Burnout, where I'm yeah. slowing down time in these games holy shit, this mechanic is worthless. And then you wait a little <laughs> yeah. while and it comes back. <laughs> yep. Yeah, they thought of a novel way to use it here, which is, you know, the yeah, the, the world moves when you move, and so you're you're kind of speeding up and slowing things down at will. It's 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 almost like an unlimited bullet time mechanic. It's a good way uh, to look at it. One thing I, I love about this game is the, the weird meta narrative and plot to the game, which ultimately mm-hmm. amounts to being like a really clever viral marketing campaign for the game, because like by the end of everything, I won't won't spoil the plot too much, because really you should go play this game. But like, yeah, I want to. What one of the final messages of that game is to go uh, on social media and tell as many friends as possible about Super Hot to <laughs> bring them into the Super Hot simulation, and I'll leave it. At that. <laughs> mm-hmm. The the opening of the game is like, hey, you got to play this game. Just just run superhot.exe. Right. It's your buddy. It's, it's like a chat, a fake chat with a buddy. Yeah. 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 Uh, it goes places mm-hmm. after that mm-hmm. for sure. Oh, definitely. Interesting, <laughs> fascinating places. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, it also, yeah, it's one of the more successful games we're going to be talking about looking at the Kickstarter. It raised $250,798. Wow. That much belief that people put in this game that it's like, yes, this is a fascinating concept. And, and it's one of those things that's like a lot of people will be like, oh, I've never heard of that. What is it? But it's just like, no, you need to play Super Hot. You need to go play Super Hot. And once you do, then you'll understand. Like, even yeah. just looking at the game, it's not really clear how cool this is because it's like, oh, a bunch of like red crystalline dudes are shattering. I, that's okay, I guess. It's like, no, it's, it's there's so yeah. much more. It looks like a just like a stripped down FPS, and then when you play it, you re- actually can feel like, oh, it's this time thing. I mean, what really <laughs> helped them, I think, was having that browser version demo you know any any anytime you can have a playable proof of concept for people and they're like "Ooh, this is really fun and i want more of this yes i will put my money down right away and uh i, I don't can't remember if you can do it in the uh, the regular version i know that in like the vr version you can just stop time and just sort of reach up and grab bullets out of the air <laughs> and just sort of throw them away <laughs> Like, yeah. I always like that a lot. I mean, that's how you can. I, I know you can grab guns for sure in, oh, in the regular version. Yeah. That's that's how you get your guns. Mm-hmm. It, it feels like uh, obviously it feels like the Matrix, but it, it always reminds me of Mirror's Edge for some reason. Mm. Oh, like yeah. the way mm. that Mirror's Edge was described, but you very rarely had that kind of interaction with other enemies. 
Yeah. 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 Where like, oh, kick a dude and take his gun and shoot him with it. Yeah. It's like, well, you shouldn't shoot him with it. I really want to um, see the UHF mod for Super Hot, where it allows you to open your mouth and catch the bullet in your mouth, mm-hmm. and then chew it up and shoot it back at your phone, <laughs> at oh, your enemies. Okay. Yeah, it explodes in the oatmeal. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Needed to happen. God, I hope Dave Rudden is listening to this episode. He's so better. <laughs> it's up, all Dave for Rudin? you, Dave. It's all for you, buddy. Late wedding present. I'll leave him a note because I am once again watching Dave's cats. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. All right. Well, let's move along to number three. I did promise you guys a fart at some point. Yes. Oh, yeah. That's in our video, Gaming's Greatest Farty Butts. (laughs) Is Is that... Uh, This is Kenny Omega's intro from a recent episode of (laughs) AEW Dynamite. Yeah, it it did so good on Kickstarter. (laughs) (laughs) Is this uh, ukulele or... No. No. Here, I'll I'll play another hint. This mighty number nine. This is Undertale. This is the Undertale. Undertale. Oh damn. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which another be... one that I had no clue was kickstarted until yeah. after I played. I, I guess I didn't either. I thought I knew everything there was to know about Undertale. I have all the apps. <laughs> yeah. Well, no. I mean, the Undertale was uh, was kind of big on Kickstarter. It didn't make a huge splash compared to some of these other games. Uh, it it raised a total of fifty one thousand one hundred and twenty four dollars, which um. It's, it's impressive considering it was mostly uh, Toby Fox, the creator, mm-hmm. doing stuff on his own and, and sort of recruiting talent from the community, other artists and things like that to create these, the, the characters and everything else in the game as stretch goals. Um, well, and I'm sure relative to like Friday the 13th, Undertale does not did not cost that much to make. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's made in Game Maker. The graphics a lot of the time look like they're somewhere between a Super Nintendo and a ZX Spectrum. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depending on what part of the game you're in. I mean, but if you think of, like, the cost to make it, really, what you're talking about is someone's salary. 51000 yeah. you know, it took him way more than, like, a year. And 51000 mm-hmm. a year, I think, isn't Toby a Fox from, like, I want to say he's from the Seattle area. But I might be confusing him with the um, Stardew Valley guy. But anyway. So it's mm. poverty level almost in every major city in the West Coast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, it's not a ton of money where this is one I wonder, too. Like, did he have some other funding come in? or Because that would that'd be really rough if that's all you're doing. or it, But if, if this is like his side hustle and he had another gig or something, I don't know. Mm. But he yeah. didn't he, like, compose all of the music for this game as well? Mm-hmm. Like, he this whole thing, yeah. Not, not yeah. that he, the if one man made the most. Yeah. yeah, he John Carpentered it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And and yeah, it's just uh, it, it's it's just a very impressive undertaking all around. Like it's it's not just like a an RPG where you go through and like oh just make friends with everybody. Like that's one way to play it, sure. But like it has a really interesting and innovative battle system where like yeah. every encounter is completely different everybody if you want to talk your way out of a battle everybody responds to different things in different ways all the monsters that you meet if you're actually fighting then like everything is like this the, these weird little bullet hell sequences where you have to move hard around very quickly to either dodge things or jump over things or whatever it's it's super cool 
And it's now, that, that's now you tell me I can talk my way out of stuff. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of RPG that I tend to love the most, and I it always bugs me that more games don't do that outside of like the Paper oh. Mario or Mario and Luigi games. Like I love having turn-based battles where reflexes are a factor. It helps uh, keep you engaged, yeah. so you're not just kind of idly selecting through menus. And Undertale say, is just, just if, such a you, charming you, turn on that. If you like RPGs without combat, you should be playing Disco Elysium because. That's, oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. That's I think I've heard you guys is. talk about that on the show. I haven't tried it yet. It yeah, can be without combat. It's it's really weird. It's uh, you're you're a middle aged cop recovering from a three day bender that's completely wiped your memory. And uh, yeah, we we'll talk about. But what that about the game? Time, probably. <laughs> 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 yeah, but some of the some of the bosses actually were created as stretch goals. For example, this one. <laughs> Is that the spider? That is the spider. That is Muffet. Yeah. Uh, who's, like, if you think about it, is weirdly disconnected from the rest of the narrative, and that's because she was, uh, like, a secret bonus boss. Yeah, that was she's an optional boss. It's yeah, like, she's I a think stretch goal. If you, if you, but it's, it's almost like a Sierra thing where it's like, if you don't buy a muffin from her at the beginning or something, then mm-hmm. she becomes a boss, or there's something. She, you see her, like, very toward the very beginning of the game and then yeah she can appear yeah. again at the end of the game if, and she can be one of the hardest bosses if you don't buy the spider muffins from the spiders at the beginning of the game she will uh she'll she'll fight you no matter what but she'll let you go if you buy those one of those muffins like oh mm. we just got a note from the spiders in the ruins oh you, it turns out that this uh this person likes spiders and wants to help us okay we'll we'll let you go so yeah. that and that's and that that's is kind of cool that is kind of the gimmick with this game, right? You can play the entire thing without killing anybody if you're skillful enough. Is that yeah, right? You can. I, yeah. Ideally, you shouldn't know that at first. Like the the, mm. the best way to approach this is just to go through and tackle it like you would a normal RPG. Like maybe some fights you go you take to the end and kill, and then some fights you just like, oh no, I, I can I can figure out a way out of this without killing anybody. And and then it's after you finished it the first time, then it's just like, oh, I can go through not killing anyone or oh i can go through killing absolutely everyone mm. and uh, you get you get different stories depending on which way you decide to go having started like three times and sort of knowing that it's still not exactly easy not oh fuck this dude i'm just killing him yeah <laughs> that's where <laughs> i get to if you haven't beaten the game at least one time you haven't you've you've only seen about a third of the game that that's that and i won't spoil it but i mean that's that's the trick of this game is you're supposed to play through it multiple times because it michael is it too spoiler to say and you can delete it if it is it remembers what you do oh yeah that, that's i i guess we can we can say some of that because yeah it remembers what you do but it remembers it starting fairly early on and it makes it clear that it's just like no 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 i i saw what you did you you went through and you killed this boss, and then you uh, you didn't like the the result, so you reloaded your save and you came back and did it again. But it, it remembers when you everything you did, like regardless of when you saved. So like that that's kind of a cool touch that it it, mm-hmm. it makes it feel very fourth wall breaky. And there are points where like it feels like the game is directly fucking with you, the computer user mm. sitting there mm-hmm. like closing the window and you have to reopen it and stuff like that so. there's that was a, a weird trend um of like these indie games that came out and all did that. like i remember three um there was doki doki literature club which had a very similar mechanic oh, yeah. huh. near the end where like you had to go into the game file and actually delete this evil file that one of the characters had put in in order to <laughs> right. advance that happened in awesome. uh thimbleweed park too okay yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorites is called pony island 
Yes. Um, and yeah. it, it looks like it's just this weird sort of cutesy puzzle game at the start, and then you get this weird thing of this guy trying to hijack your computer. And the best part is when you play against the last boss, this little notification from your Steam friend comes up in the corner, and it says, LOL, Pony Island? What are you playing? Like right in the middle of the last boss. And they actually <laughs> use the name of someone on your Steam's friend list. And then you're like, and so yeah, it's kind of actually like Eternal Darkness, like we mentioned yeah. earlier. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And that, that's a really cool thing, and I feel like Undertale kind of does it better better than those other games. I just yeah. don't like the idea of having to play through a game multiple times to see well, all the I content. In in its defense, once you've played through once and you know what you're doing, you can uh, you can do the other, at least the a happier route in a fraction of the time. Like I think mm. the first time that I That's played it, point. it took me six hours to finish it, and then I replayed it in two hours. Mm. Yeah, so. okay. It's, yeah, it's not very long. I, it's it's weird, but yeah, that trick of like examining your save and all that. It's almost like a bunch of developers who'd grown up playing Metal Gear Solid in the Psycho Mantis fight yeah. uh, were suddenly old enough to develop games of their own, which is exactly what happened. You like cool borders. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, e- even though like it didn't do that hot on Kickstarter compared to some of the other some of these other games like for what it, for what it is like I'm still like looking into like how did this many people have that much faith in the game because yeah. he all he wanted was five grand mm-hmm. and he made ten times that yeah oh yeah, people and, love this game yeah oh, I have a, yeah, I have but a they didn't friend, know that at the time I have a friend with a young daughter who's just like every time I see her she's obsessed with this game and that's all we can talk about uh, yeah so it just has a real cult following because it's just so adorable and it's so charming and uh, it's a smartly made game I really like it yeah. But it, I just I just didn't know people loved it that early. That in right. 2013 right. people were like, "No, no, I see the potential in this. I want this to exist. I love Earthbound so much." Mm-hmm. You never underestimate people's ability to love Earthbound, yeah, and like yeah, anything yeah, that sort of captures that same aesthetic, people will give you money for. Have I shown well, you my tattoo? Yeah, it's on my foot. <laughs> no, it's not. To, to finish what I was saying, even though it didn't do that great on Kickstarter, it went on to sell well over a million copies. So I like to think. That Toby Fox has gone from uh, maybe I'll get five thousand on Kickstarter to having way more money than he knows what to do with. Well, hopefully, he knows what to do with it by making another game. Yeah, well, <laughs> you know, he's <laughs> working on Delta Rune. Apparently, yeah. he re- he did release that that first chapter last year. So huh. I he did just really... write that Smash song, didn't he? Oh, that's right. Yeah, he oh. did something with Smash. Interesting. He, yeah, he he wrote a, a song that's in the game now. Nice to become part of video game canon. Like oh that. yeah, How actually, amazing. as a Random aside, when we were talking about Earthbound, I believe one of the things that he did that sort of put him on the independent gaming map was he made a fairly famous mod for right. Earthbound. Oh, that was Which him. is okay. probably something that helped generate interest in Undertale. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. But anyway, yeah, Undertale is great. It was one of our games of the year for 2016, 2017, whenever that came out. I <laughs> um, it all blends together now. That, that, yeah, I, lo- I love indie gaming, but it really has ruined the ability to differentiate when games come out. Yeah. <laughs> because you're like, uh, when did Owlboy come out? Because it sure looked like, you know, from 1996 yeah. or 94. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's jump ahead to... Number two. Now I need to point my microphone somewhere else in the universe so I can get another instrument on there, Michael. Well, maybe (laughs) if you point it in the right direction, you'll hear something closer to this. 
The awesome opening, uh, one of the, my favorite songs of the year, hmm. Outer Wilds. Yes, this is the Outer oh. Wilds. Okay. Uh, I haven't played this yet. You haven't played it yet? No, well, I don't have an Xbox. It's only on Xbox uh, right now, right? Yeah. Is it? Uh, it's on it PC. Can... It's, it's oh, it's on PC. The okay. Epic Store. <laughs> oh, excellent. I have to try this. So yeah, Outer Wilds, the, the game where you belong to a race of aliens that just sort of hangs out in uh, wooden buildings on a remote semi-Earth-like planet that is extremely tiny, and for reasons unknown, they have a space program. (laughs) That's the most advanced thing about their civilization. They can go into space and explore distant planets, which aren't really so distant because their entire solar system... If not for pockets of gravity, you could reach, like, every planet on a hang glider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, their, their, their entire solar system is, what, like 30 kilometers across? Something like that. It's tiny. Tiny, tiny world. Um, and I'm really glad because steering the ship in that game sucks. <laughs> the flying. <laughs> because you're basically flying, like, let's just call it a space jalopy. Mm-hmm. It is. It's, yep. it's just like this. And, and I, it's, it's I still like love the, uh, the... the Explorer. Which, which, which is that movie with uh, Ethan Hawke? The Explorers. Hawk, the, the Explorers. Yeah. It's, it's Explorers. like you're... Oh. It's the almost the almost flight of the navigator sequel. Yeah, yeah, and and I I still love the just the ship startup sequence. Get into your ship, put on your spacesuit, strap yourself into the chair, and then you're ready to blast off. That's yeah. very satisfying just as an audio clip, I'll just yeah. say. Just yeah. having that in my ear, it's like, oh, this is oh, nice. Oh, yeah, that seatbelt yeah, sound. Really? And the yeah. fact that it does, it sounds like a 1969 Chevy Nova or something when it starts yeah. up. It's, it's beautiful. Yeah. You, your, your ship is basically, it looks like a, a clutched together lunar lander made out of uh, wood and other parts. And, uh, yeah, it, you're, you're just kind of going through the, the solar system trying to discover things and just like you'll land on a new planet and it's like okay what's what's this planet's deal oh, this is the planet that has like all the weird tornadoes on its surface which is mostly water and then it's got a weird creepy beating heart at the at the bottom of its ocean and here's the planet that's actually two planets there are one sucks dust from the other and the other one gradually shrinks while the the first one gets larger like it's it's this really fascinating clockwork solar system to discover and uh, you find out pretty quickly that you're on a time limit, and you'll start to dread hearing this music. Brian Eno's come and run. One <laughs> of my that's that's still one of my most unforgettable moments of the year is that happening for the first time and. Not knowing it was going to happen. Uh-huh. How many times did it have to happen for you to connect that music with like, oh, okay, this this thing just happens on a schedule? Oh, only once, only once. Oh, I, okay. I mean, it's pretty clear one because once it happens, you get to flash back to. Uh... Mm-hmm. Well, for for me, like I, I think the first time it happened, it was just like, oh God, what's this blue flash? I, I got to outrun this thing, and why does it keep popping up? I don't understand. And then finally realized, like. Oh, okay, this happens on a schedule. Oh, wow, you went in truly blind. Like, I had at least heard that it was a semi-roguelike that had this reset cycle a la Majora's Mask. And so I, I was kind of expecting it. But yeah, the music, 
I just want to hear the rest of that song. It sounds like such yeah, a relaxing, nice. like if I could fall asleep to that song every night, I think I'd be happy. Well, you might fall asleep forever to that song because it's the <laughs> wrap up whatever you're doing, you're about to mm-hmm. die music. <laughs> Do you guys remember the first time you played Majora's Mask and you're like, shit, what's going to happen when I run out of time? And mm-hmm. then you, you, I like was under the idea that I actually had to beat the game before I ran out of time. Mm-hmm. And then I ran out of time and I'm like, Shit, it restarted. What 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 is going on with this? As I don't know, I just remember being so freaked out the first time that I, that's happened. That's how I felt when I rebought the 3DS remake. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah, yeah. Like, it's one of the most stressful good? games ever, especially for like completionists like myself and it's like, "Wait, how can I and then and then you realize the trick and you learn the songs that do the time, but but it's a bit like um I got the same feeling from Dead Rising. I was, you know, oh, yeah. Dead Rising 1 with that time mechanic. I was like, I can never save all these people. And oh my God, it just stressed me out. Yeah, he has his Oscar Schindler's moment. <laughs> I could yeah. have done more. <laughs> this, this chunk of orange juice, how many lives could it have saved if I hadn't stopped to drink 20 of them at a time? <laughs> Why must I have chosen the little mini me head instead of the person's life? <laughs> No, the, the, my only expe- like I never even heard of the Outer Wilds until like I got a sneering look at GameStop when I went in to ask for a PS4 copy of the Outer Worlds and I said oh, the wrong game because these came out on like the same day, didn't they? Well, so I'd heard Outer no Outer Wilds was uh, much earlier in the year. Yeah, it was much Outer Worlds. Oh, the thing Outer Wilds was mm. someone told me like so I was just it was a giveaway oh. item through like some xbox e3 promotion like last year like if you're watching like a mixer stream or something they, they give away a code for it um but it's it's one of those things that yeah most people didn't hear about it until it came out and then it, all of a sudden it was like where the hell did this thing come from this is the only game on this list that was not funded through kickstarter it was fig.co fig fig oh, the, i've never the, played the a double fig fine game. thing Never, thanks, Double Fine. I've never played a fig game. <laughs> it it uh, cleared $126,480 of its $125,000 goal. So uh did quite well, just just over the wire there. But uh, I'm Still glad waiting happened. for that Jay and Silent Bob beat-em-up. That was like, the, <laughs> remember, that was like the first or second fig game that was they were trying really to fund. Said? Yeah. Also, you're waiting for that? I'm shocked. I <laughs> interviewed Jason Muse for the website I was working at at oh the time. Oh, my God. <laughs> there's, nothing, there's nothing worse than ironic crowdfunding. Like when that um, they did a remake of Shaq Fu. Oh, yeah. That, like, <laughs> made a decent amount of money on crowdfunding. And then it came out and people were like, man, this is terrible. Why did they crowdfund this? And you're like, yeah, why did you crowdfund that remake of a game that was infamously terrible? Like, oh, look, expect- terrible was one of their stretch goals. Yeah. <laughs> little do you know, like, 90% of that funding was one man and his name was Shaquille O'Neal, the big Yeah, and little do I know, I that's going to be number one on the list, right? <laughs> Yeah, I definitely yeah. want to check this out. This sounds really fascinating. It, it and I've heard really nothing is. of good oh, it's, things. It's worth playing. It's yeah. it's a game that is completely unlike anything else, I think, except for maybe No Man's Sky. But even then, like, No Man's Sky is it feels big and random, and this feels, like, very small and very crafted. Like, each hmm. each of these planets is like a Hellraiser puzzle box, except there aren't little Ooh. dudes who spring out at the end to kill you, uh, unless <laughs> well, maybe you lost count me. Dark Bramble. Yeah, 
getting yeah, through like, a Dark, Dark hmm? Bramble sucks, but it's yeah, getting it through does Dark not... Bramble it, toward the end of the game might be one of the most stressful experiences I've had this year in video. Oh, thanks for reminding me. I have to trim my Dark Bramble during the break. <laughs> <laughs> if only we were sponsored by Manscaped. I know, we almost were. I want to fall asleep to Dark Bramble breathing, actually. It's very soothing. No, but Dark Bramble's bad, but not nearly as annoying, at least to me personally, as the the hourglass twin planets where one dumps sand continuously on the other over the course of the day, Mm -hmm. and there are puzzles that you need to find on that said planet being dumped on, and it's... It's very stressful as you try to uncover stuff and you're race, literally racing the hourglass uh, yeah, to try you, to find stuff. You have to get there like first thing and try to try to like, OK, what's at the very bottom of this ravine? Can I get there in time before it fills up? Am I going to get stuck in this cave as as the sand fills up around me and cuts off the exits? Oh, God, I'm going to get crushed to death in a few minutes. And then you do. And it's OK because the mm-hmm. game does what it does every day. It just resets and you get to, yeah, to yeah, do yeah. it again. I love this game. It feels like a fucking French cartoon badly translated on Nickelodeon. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a feeling we'll be talking about this game again very soon. So. Mm. Yes. But in the meantime... What is this, this cacophony of craziness? Shovel Knight. Mm-hmm. Uh, I yes. love Shovel Knight. Yeah, all right. Yeah, oh, well, Shovel Knight's I, so good. I, I think in terms of Kickstarter success, like this was one of the earlier ones that anyone really gave a damn about back in like mm. 2014. And I remember like when it happened, it was successfully funded. And where I was working at the time, my coworkers were like super excited for this. I'm like, it's a Kickstarter game. We get things about Kickstarter games all the time. They're terrible. But no, this was this was wonderful. Like uh, a, a bunch of developers basically sat around, and I think this saying that this came up as a joke. This idea of uh, shovel, like a dude using a shovel as a weapon, and uh, that they ended up combining like the best aspects of like every eight-bit game that you loved: Castlevania, Mega Man, Ducktales, uh, and, and just Zelda Two, and just combined them into this cohesive whole that's super fun to play through, and sounds great, and looks great. And, yeah, that's oh. why I'm shocked it wasn't more on your radar, Chris, because it it does draw really heavily from Ducktales with the combat. Like you're, very you're, much so. I, 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 this is the, one of the few games of the 2010s that I finished more than once. Yeah. Same. Yeah, I think like, I've played this like four platforms. times. Yeah. Have you played through now? Now were the additional campaigns like the uh, Specter of Torment all that? Were, were those um, crowdfunding stretch goals, or were those just? something that that yacht club games decided to do because eventually they just got more money than god and they were they just kept adding to this game i think it was it was more the latter uh because they they came out a while after the game was released Um, yeah i believe that the latest expansion to it just came out this year and or is has not come out yet oh wow it's they're doing like an in-depth card game for shovel knight yeah, oh, wow. well, there's there's also God. There's an upcoming version that I want to say is like vertical. It's more. It's it. It's not a horizontal scroller. It's like a vertical scroller. Uh, oh, and plays, plays more like Home Improvement for Super Nintendo. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> let's um, crowdfund that remake. Yeah. So I, I remember I played this when it came out. I, like I I wasn't very attuned to crowdfunding at the time when this came out, and I was just excited about it as being sort of an 
remake or a you know retro themed game and so i bought it for 15 bucks beat it liked it and then i just booted up my 3ds a few months ago and i was like oh i haven't played shovel knight in a while and there was all this new content on it hmm. that of like these different campaigns and i played through it again and i'm like wow this is awesome that this game i spent 15 dollars for you know six years ago it just has like more content appearing i love this game so much but am i the only one who's like all right, enough with the shovel knife. <laughs> He's the biggest whore, other than like Geralt. Like, who has been in more games? I, I thought this was like, like, oh, this is where we talk about Bloodstain. Like, oh, yeah, no, shovel knife. But shovel knife's in that too. So, yeah. actually, <laughs> is He's in Bloodstain? One oh. of the reasons I hadn't, I didn't play this game until this year is I was so sick of hearing about and seeing so much shovel knife that I was just like, God, I, you, you couldn't play an indie game without Shovel Knight appearing, which, yeah. you know, now that I think about it, they were helping out their friends because they, it was oh, like... It, it's, it's, a, it's, it's much more... Because it, 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 Shovel Knight, I think, has become emblematic of the, the crowdfunded games. So most of the games that get crowdfunded can line up easy. It's easier to line up a, an appearance from Shovel Knight than it is from fucking Mario, you know, obviously. I mean, an indie game so, got like, an amiibo. That's why he's in ukulele. And, yeah, the, well, and, they, uh, I've, I've got a clip of him in ukulele, actually. Oh, yo, yo, That's terrible, but they've been very savvy about getting him into other games, just kind of as many games as they can. If something is a success on Kickstarter, odds are it probably has Shovel Knight in there somewhere. He was... He also got to be in a fighting game Blade Strangers, which is kind of like mashing up a bunch of different indie superstar characters. And he has full spoken lines in Japanese. Now you know what he sounds like if he's Japanese. <laughs> no, that's not true. I know exactly what he sounds like. He has one famous line. Oh, Can that? you dig it? <laughs> <laughs> now, this, I, from what I understand of the development, they, they kind of took a really smart tack with the crowdfunding. They kind of did the opposite of what Mighty Number no. 9 did, which is that they under-promised and over-delivered. They, they kept costs minimal, right? Uh, wasn't this initial Kickstarter only like... $150,000 something it was something pretty small for a game I mean I think it's uh oh, it's $311,502 but yeah. that's still fairly modest still, for games still relatively small but they they didn't set a bunch of stretch goals to start with like they just kind of kept the team small they kept costs minimal and they just focused on getting a really good game out whereas Mighty Number no. 9 was like blowing up expectations that they could never possibly deliver and then they the game just kind of wound up being mediocre as a result and, and Shovel Knight has just continued to grow and just continued to improve over time. And uh, yeah. at this time, too, I was also pretty sick of NES remake-looking games because, mm. like, half of the indie games out there were just kind of paying homage to 8- or 16-bit games. Will, I will never get sick of that. So, well, it's, it's, it's just not, like, a draw for me anymore the way it used to be. But this one really just kind mm. of uh, blew me out of the water. It's just so eminently fun and challenging and uh, just a great time. Yeah, I think for me it was always like uh, this one doesn't seem to revel so much in being an NES game, but like what NES games would look like if they went like another six years. Yeah, yeah, development. That's cycle. a good way to put it. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. Like reading an interview with one of the developers once, where he was talking about how a lot of people thought that they were funding a new NES game in in 2014, and 
like we do things in this game that you could never do on the NES. Like yeah. we tr- we try to look as much like an NES game as possible, but like there's no way that NES hardware could handle what this game does. And, but we even had like backers who expected to be getting like a boxed NES game. Yeah. <laughs> like when when we said box copy of the game, they thought like, oh NES. Like no, it's for PC, Wii U, or uh, 3DS. Isn't, isn't the dirty secret that it it's it's made in 3D? Um, oh, is it really? You can you can see it uh, when you break down the levels. Yeah, it's like it's a completely modern product huh. that's made to look old, mm. but it's all made in 3D. I thought you were going to say the real dirty secret was it never got the Nintendo seal of. Oh, <laughs> they did because they have a fucking amiibo. <laughs> that's yeah. I have them right here. Yeah, yeah, my amiibo shelf. Mm-hmm. Oh. Weren't they like the first third party amiibo ever made? I think it's, they yeah, were it's like the only character ever created by a white guy to ever have an amiibo. <laughs> And wasn't there also, like, I think the this is Amiibo talk now, but, like, <laughs> the original packaging for the Amiibo didn't have, like, the foil in the bottom. So mm-hmm. people were coming right. into stores with their, like, devices and swiping it and, like, oh. just kind of stealing the effect of the Shovel Knight without actually having to buy it. See, for me, the advantage there would be, like, oh, I can buy it, but I don't have to unbox it to use it. Yeah, oh. perfect. I was going to say, I don't know. I've never unboxed an Amiibo. I don't yeah, know no. what they have in the package. <laughs> oh, you're missing out. They fit in your mouth so good. <laughs> they do. Oh, <laughs> in your three-year-old's no mouth. Do they, like taste, a, taste, a Switch game? do they taste better than Switch carts or not? You know, Nothing they, they tastes better than either. Switch cartridges. Let me tell you. I got a little bowl of them here. <laughs> Patreon goal, Matt and I will eat all of our Switch games. <laughs> um, have you guys, morbid curiosity, I have not. Because I, I, I have. it's so disgusting. How yep, do they taste? It. Is it really that Vicks gross? Vicks Vapor Rub. Mm, yeah. Oh, okay. Very. I mean, it's incredible just because you have to, like, touch the tip of your tongue to it, and it takes, like, minutes to get out of your mouth. <laughs> wow. It's crazy. Yeah. It spreads really fast. Yeah. And then there's just strong. that, like, why did I do that? You know? <laughs> yeah. I had that moment. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm drinking beer until I forget I did that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you guys just gave yourself, like, ultra-plastic cancer in the future. Congratulations. (laughs) Ten times worse than regular plastic cancer. I mean, it's it's specifically made so that kids will taste it and spit it out. So I can imagine... I have to imagine it's non-toxic. I really like the way Nintendo thought of that. This is going to kill you. Yeah. That's the attention to detail that has kept Nintendo running strong. Is they're like, what do we do if kids eat our games? <laughs> Sony's not worried about yeah, that. No, exactly. Get into our bottom line. Yeah, Shovel Knight. Like, I, I, I also put this off for years because I was like, I played a little bit of it and was like, yeah, it's okay, I guess. And then uh, got into it for reals, like, not that long ago. I think sometime this year. And I was like, oh, man, what I've been missing out by not playing this. Like, this is an incredible game. Oh, really? It's really yeah. good. Yeah, I played, yeah. I, played this, I played this on, I think, four different platforms Wow. at this point. It was there when it came out on PC. Played it 100% on 3DS. And I, I do want to... <laughs> this is how savvy they are. Do you remember when Switch launched and the eShop launched and there were, like, six games in there? Mm. Now we know Switch is the place where, like, this is where indie games live, where they can thrive. Mm. There was, like, four games in there. Two of them were Shovel Knight (laughs) (laughs) on day one. That's right. And so, like, the whole world knows way more about Shovel Knight than they ever did before the Switch in my... I'm speculating, but yeah, like, it was was a $9.99 game on the launch of the Mm, Switch, which didn't have a lot going for it at the time, uh, in the eShop. And uh, I have to imagine 
exponentially more people are aware of this game than the last time I even played it. Yeah, I know that. That's where I played it last. That's I, I bought it yeah, on the Switch. And that's like, that's oh, what yeah. I played through. It's really it's it's a perfect Switch game too. Mm-hmm. Have you guys played through all of the secondary character campaigns yet? I haven't yet. No, no. I've yeah, just done, I've just do done that. the uh, holiday one break. Plague one. That, mm. that may have actually those may have actually been part of the stretch goals because they, what they have on the stretch goals is actually. Uh, three tiers of playable boss, but the idea, that, as they explain it, is like you'll be able to play through the campaign again as one of the bosses. But that may have just kind of grown into like we will do a full playable campaign that is completely different for each of the bosses. Yeah, and it's it's a shorter campaign, but actually, yeah. I mean, almost uh, Plague Knight almost came up on our list last week. We mentioned because he kind of fit that premise of he was doomed to fail because you know he ends up being a bad guy boss yeah. and you're mm-hmm. kind of playing his prequel prequel campaign but it's it's really it, what's amazing to me is how different the gameplay is for plague knight and it's it's not I, i'm not gonna say it's like it makes it like a completely new game but it, it definitely puts an all-new spin on it where it's it's really fun yeah that's our top five nice. kickstarted well crowdfunded games i should just say crowdfunded from now on <laughs> because it's it's like you know you wouldn't say you just Google something you say you search for it online because you know you don't want to make Bing feel bad or anything. Oh no <laughs> yeah. no all those Bing users both of them. Yeah. Exactly yeah exactly. My grandfather was a fig man. I'm gonna die fig man. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, we hope you had as much fun as we did. And on that note, we're gonna take a little break. And when we come back, we're gonna talk about some new releases, some news, some other stuff. So stay tuned. Get scratching. Is the world of today getting you down? Well, then why not check in on some of the good stuff that happened this week in movies, TV, games, and more 30, 20, and 10 years ago this very week with our show 30 2010. Here's a clip from 1999. American Pie was a phenomenon with uh, five, five, four sequels and three straight to video sequels. Yeah. But American Pie is all about guys trying to get laid, especially through the eyes of Jim, Jason Biggs, who I think is actually pretty fun. I like that. I, I've always liked Jason Biggs, and I'm try- I can't even remember what the pie scene is because oh, he fucks it. No, no, yes, <laughs> I recall. But uh, I his penis. <laughs> but I saw both move the the first two movies in theaters, and the MPAA always has a cut to suggest. So the DVD has if you watched. You watched it more on DVD. You have a different fucking scene. So, what do you remember him doing with the pie? Honestly, I don't remember. Like, I've kind of blocked. Did that his dad out. come in and he has the pie plate over I his crotch? Think so, yeah. So, in the right. unrated, unrated DVD, he's on the counter fucking it. Oh, and- <laughs> missionary style. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Can you do doggy with a pie? <laughs> I mean, not if you're the giver. Uh, bend it over the fireplace. And like- <laughs> but you could do reverse cowgirl. Uh, <laughs> How do you reverse it? It's round. Well, the pie plate's away from you. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, the, the pie plate is its underwear. I <laughs> think it's all but. <laughs> Jump into the past with 302010 every Thursday on lasertimepodcast.com or iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Five, four, three, two, one. 
And welcome back to our final segment where we will not waste any time as I try to open the soundboard and scroll over to this button that will play this sound. I'm not going to lie, the year's kind of winding down, but uh, (laughs) Sniper Ghost Warrior Contracts did come out. Um, That was just a random collection of words you said. That's not a... (laughs) I know. You could put you could put that title in any order, yeah, and it would mean the exact same thing. That game could be called Wolf Contract Sniper Wolf Gold. It, it does it does have a distinct mobile game uh, ring to it. Would you yeah. hear that? Yeah, the the game itself though is very uh, like you know it's it's a first person stealth shooter game, and uh, this this one is a little bit more sci fi than than previous ones have been. I think like. Hmm. You're a mercenary who gets, like, a special mask that has all these cool uh, cyber abilities that, like, tie into your... Uh, Somebody stop him! Yeah. <laughs> tie into your nervous system and your body makeup. and But, like, the, the cool thing about it, like, I've, I've played it for maybe half an hour, uh, to be honest. But it, it does have a neat thing, and this might be have been in earlier games, where uh, as you're aiming down the sights, like, it will show you... Like, okay, your bullet will follow realistic physics and trajectories as it, as it flies through the air. So, like, your scope will have a little thing showing you, like, this is roughly the direction and speed at which your bullet is going to fall. So uh, line up your shot accordingly and, like, you know, adjust your sights. It's, it's very, very technical, more so than, like, your average Call of Duty is, where, like, sniping is very much the key gameplay mechanic. And we are trying to present it in as realistic a manner as possible. And by the time you get through that first tutorial, you'll figure, you'll think like, "Oh man, I figured this out. I, I could probably snipe someone at like 300 meters and, and be okay." I'm gonna berry pepper this shit and only snipe people in their own scope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good luck with that. But it is, it is kind of like, I, I think this game gets mixed up with Sniper Elite a lot, but that is the, the uh, World yes War II does. game with the, the really cool uh, slow-mo bullet zooming on the camera. Blowing Hitler's balls shot. off yes. gameplay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's got the Mortal Kombat bone-crunching, mm-hmm. bullet-going-through-bones, x-ray stuff going on. It's a bit more dramatic. This is a little more realistic, except, again, you have a mask that uh, is basically magic and uh, <laughs> does cool things. <laughs> This kind of sounds like my jam, actually. It's, yeah. uh, I've got, I'm a sucker for sniper-based games, even though they're pretty much all terrible. But this one <laughs> sounds fun. Yeah, it's fun. It's... I feel like they could get Barry Pepper if they wanted to, because what the hell else is that guy doing? Who snipered his career? Right. Uh, <laughs> I know, Battlefield Earth and John Travolta. <laughs> oh, God. He must account <laughs> for that. Yeah. It's or like the longest short movie I've ever seen. <laughs> is it short? Is it short? I feel like like we looked at the running time, and it was much shorter than it felt Yeah, like. I think I pushed that as a selling point when I was trying to get people to watch it. Right. I'm like, it's only, it's like, less than two hours, and then... Uh, it just it feels is? like it goes on forever, yeah. yeah, yeah. Let me let me double check. Why, why were you convincing people to watch it? Were, were you, like, trying to get extra Scientology credit? Like, <laughs> L. Ron Hubbard says I should watch this movie. I have convinced people, to, Steve and I have both convinced people to watch many a bad movie. I, I just made everybody yes, watch... It's, it's one hour and 59 minutes. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. I just made oh, everybody shit. watch Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan. So oh yeah, we, 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 much. We, well, that's acceptable. Much better than Battlefield Earth, definitely, definitely. 
But not not nearly as good as which is the one with Goldberg as the killer Santa Claus? Oh, Santa, Santa slays. slays. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Amazing movie. <laughs> yeah, where he kills Chris Kattan and Fran Jesher. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> no one kills the mangle. Yeah, we we really don't have a lot of new releases to talk about, do we? No, we, <laughs> we, we really don't. Um, Michael, did you get to fuck around with any more Stadia? Uh, I mm. did, actually. My, my Stadia finally showed up, and it is the first time in my life that uh, I've been playing games on a console two days before the console actually shows up. So, um, because you can, <laughs> you, you don't actually need wow. the hardware. The hardware is for playing on a TV, but if you're on a computer, you can just load it up in your browser and play, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, I've been, I've been playing on and off with uh, Guilt. Mostly like GYLT, the the game that I, Tequila works. I play on out. and off with that every day. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's 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 you know it's an indie horror game, sort of kind of kid friendly horror where it's like, oh, there are these monsters showing up. I need to sneak around this weird Silent Hill esque nightmare world and and get past them. And everything's a little bit on the cartoony side. Um, it's it's a like this it's a solid game but it's it's one of those things where it's like why is this the only exclusive um, but other, other it's than not that, a solid game it's a cloud game Michael it's in the cloud <laughs> that's true it is literally not solid <laughs> <laughs> yeah that, that the launch for for Sadie has been like continues to be very depressing because I, I oh, don't we're like... gonna get there in the news do not worry oh are we well maybe we should just go ahead and transition now. Can you believe that sound is only 17 seconds long? It feels like a lot longer. That sound, I've been listening to your show for a while. That sound cracks me up every time. It just let's, goes let's on. Let's put it this way. Let's put it this way. On the iPhone, you, you can't have a ringtone that lasts that long. <laughs> you, you could say it's the battlefield earth of podcast sounds. <laughs> This feels a lot longer than it is. You know, speaking of Google Stadia, the Stadia launch continues to, let's just say, have a little, a few little hiccups, little, 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 little speed bumps. First up, um, a lot of people noticed uh, when they finally got their hands on these games that um, a lot of the 4K gaming that, that Google had been touting, and especially they'd been touting for this uh for the people using the what's it called Stadia Pro, Michael, the, the, the kind of the, the bonus service where you're yeah, you get the, the exclusive Pro. home of 4K HDR uh, gameplay, right? But a lot of people were noticing the games were not actually running in 4K, and um, a lot of them, if it is 4K, it's upscaled 4K, which, as we all kind of know, is upscaling is not the same. Yeah, you're running in 4K, 4K the same way my bootleg Japanese copy of Song of the South is running on 4K. <laughs> right, now. right, right. Uh, and yeah, people people were asking Google about it, and a Google spokesperson came out with a statement that I think unintentionally, but it it ends up sounding like they're kind of putting the the burden back on the developers. So I'll read you I'll read you their statement. Uh, but yeah, they're, this Google spokesperson told 9 to 5 Google. Boy, talk about uh, unbiased sites. 9 to 5 Google <laughs> <laughs> <in> your statement. <laughs> Nobody talk about this at night. <laughs> uh, <laughs> <no>. <laughs> so uh 
they they told them that Stadia hardware and its digital service is capable of the 4K game streams that were promised, but it's down to developers to get it up to that quality. Uh, here's the quote: uh, Stadia streams at 4K and 60 frames per second, and that includes all aspects of our graphics pipeline from game to screen, GPU, encoder, and Chromecast Ultra, all outputting at 4K to 4K TVs with the appropriate internet connection. The spokesperson said, "Well, there's one of your problems." Uh, they then said that Google gives developers the freedom of how to achieve the best image quality and frame rate on Stadia, and that developers will continue to improve their games on Stadia. What a bunch of assholes. Because <laughs> they're saying, they're saying like, oh yeah, we, we told them they could drag and drop their PC game versions. And, and there's not even like an auto-detect functionality because you're playing on, on a PC in the middle of nowhere. You're playing on server farms, yeah. And, and I think that's that's why people are annoyed. That, that One of the promises, and one of the things I was originally excited about, like, I will, hey, I'm, I'm not shy to say, like, when they first announced this stuff, the stuff that I was, like, really touting the tech because you're, it's like having an infinitely powerful computer because you're, you're, it's several computers and it's servers, you know, it's several servers in the cloud. And that's the whole promise is that you're distributing your processing power across several machines. And the fact then that they're not running stuff in 4K uh, 60, it's like, well, wait, I thought I thought the whole point of this was that, you know, if I can't afford a powerful computer, you guys are going to do it for me. And then for them to say, well, it's really on developers to choose. And, and of course, yeah, with any new platform, there's a bit of a learning curve and some time before developers learn the hardware and learn how to take advantage of the hardware. But the way they were describing this thing during the press conferences and announcements was like no no it's just like it's like developing for pc and it was, it's just it was something PC. i think they didn't think about and i to be to, to their credit i didn't either because like this when i saw i only watched like mainly digital foundry stuff on it but the idea of like oh there are graphical settings you can access and like why would i need to access graphical settings i assumed this game was already downloaded and set to the highest possible graphical settings because I don't want to do that. Uh, I thought you would optimize all that stuff. So, like, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't know what their stance is on where they set the games that you're playing because they are essentially readying those games for you to play. So they're choosing your quality settings. Right. The only setting you should choose is do you want it in, in 1080p or 4K? Because it's it's your, you know, because that's going to affect your your bandwidth, you know, your download. Yeah, but like uh, even movies now don't give you the option to choose that anymore because it's like, well, whatever you can handle. Right. Yeah. So so it is disappointing that I mean, I think, you know, just reading that statement over again, it's like I think what they were trying to say is that the developers will, you know, they're going to learn and things will improve and they'll get better at it. What they're saying is they offered no incentive for developers to optimize their games in any way for the platform. Well, it's a weird it's a weird console because everything that's on it at launch already exists. There's no yes, software that's been developed yeah. specifically for this console. I, I hesitate to even call it a console. It's it's like this weird hybrid of yeah. PC gaming and cloud. But but what console makers will do before their next generation of consoles is they will make sure that their games are running to the best of that platform's ability because they realize early titles are showcase titles. And right. so that's that's unfortunately it's it's like when Google makes a statement like that, like oh it's up to the developers to learn how. It's like well no, it's your job because they're. It's all about the games. I've, I've said this before, and that's what I feel like is missing from this entire launch. And, and maybe, you know, Google's not seeing is like the games are what are what's going to bring people in, and those games need to look better than any other platform if you're going to interest people with this thing. And you need to spend the money up front to make sure that those games are running in 4K, especially for these founders who gave you 130 dollars 
to get the privilege of playing in this effectively a beta test. And again, I'm not a Stadia hater. You just you've heard me been listening to the show like express my disappointment in how this thing that I thought was going to be the future of how we play things really shit the bed and Google seemingly doesn't care about it and and just all the features that didn't launch that doesn't I see people like up in arms about that like motherfucker like Nintendo systems launch without anything all the time right like no one gets mad about that I'm not that mad about it I don't give a fuck about achievements anymore when it happens it happens who cares (laughs) but it just it's it's more that like I think the launch showed us that Google thought this would be an optimal platform and help they thought enough people would adopt it that would help move the uh, American data restrictions forward, and that's not happening. Oh, American data restrictions that- is my favorite Seth MacFarlane show. <laughs> Good morning, USA. There's nothing here that I can play. Uh, um, but uh, I've got the feeling that I'm gonna hit my bandwidth today. <laughs> but like, but that's but that's not happening. I think for all intents and purposes, the launch is a flop, and and. They're even showing, like, you know, some games aren't running in 4K when they're promised to be for a kind of a huge fee. Yeah, and, and that's people people were kind of upset. And, and so far, their only explanation is, well, it's up to the developers to configure their games to run how they feel it's going to be the best experience for people. And and I think that's what's disappointing is, is that might be the case. And, I mean, Bungie, they're pros. They know what they're doing. And so I do believe that, yeah, Bungie made the right decision for you know setting whatever settings it's running at is how that game performs best on the platform i think though what it's actually it's still it's more it's still better than consoles i believe mm, but it's more an indictment of that particular platform than if it's like well wait the whole promise was it's supposed to be the most powerful pc thing ever and if bungie is not choosing not to run it at 4k 60 there's a problem there because that was part of this promise and especially for these the paying users the people who are on the premium service you know well, I mean, so the thing I'm thinking now is that, like, I still believe this is the future of how we play games. I admire Google for tackling it. I'm disappointed with how they tackled it. I just, like, I just want them to hang in there until this catches on. Because I think a lot of this stuff isn't their fault because this is too forward thinking. We've talked about a bunch of games like that that were too ahead of their time and sort of shit the bed and like this the Dreamcast trying to be online before the world was ready for it I think there is a little bit of that with Stadia but also like this is a huge corporation that could have like helped pioneer something by really getting behind its product and they didn't well I'm, I'm hopeful though that it'll be kind of like a Facebook with the Oculus situation of yeah they, they will hang in there and they have the deeper pockets where they can Hopefully they'll hang in there longer than the Chromecast Ultras might be able to hang in there because there have been re- several reports of people uh, saying that the Chromecast Ultras are overheating to the point where they're oh shutting God. themselves down. Uh, and Google actually had a response to that, saying that no, that that can't, that's not the case. It, it's uh, no, we've we've not been able to reproduce this, and so yeah. Uh, what the hell, man? Like it's just like another that, 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 thing. They're right, though. For that that shouldn't be the case. Like your your router is never overheated. It's not. There's nothing spinning inside that thing. Well, and and especially because you know the Chromecast is doing what it always does, which is right. it's just streaming video. If you can, it, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't see any difference between this signal and fucking El Camino in 4K. Right. Exactly. Exactly. But 
It's running on special firmware. That's the difference, I think. Anything that has a, a current going through it is going to generate heat. And, you know, so it's, it's not impossible that it could be overheating, but still. No, no, I'm, I'm sure there are Chromecasts overheating, but it's probably because your TV sucks and it's place stupid. <laughs> well, the, the other the other thing it could be is that it is running on its uh, a special version of the firmware that, no, that the general public doesn't have access to yet. Mm, and so it could be. be something where that firmware is not working or is... I don't know, maybe not not set up with the hardware the the, re, the way they test the regular firmware and and it, you know, if it's a real issue, I'm sure Google will patch it and it'll be fine, but it is just like yet another thing with this launcher like, "Oh my god, what else could happen where you I'm just, I'm just saying I'm not that person who's rooting for it to fail because they don't let me own my games like my favorite TV shows and movies of the year, I can't even own. They're all on like streaming services and I don't care anymore. Like if I need to get them, I'll find a way. It's yeah. not a huge. I I just hate seeing the. You don't even own your games. Like, what happens if I buy this service in a year? I want to buy the game. The game will be ten dollars in a year. Who cares? It <laughs> like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Like, it, it, it's 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 useless. But like, yeah. a service like Google could mean more games and a bigger revenue source for developers. And I'm excited to see that the same content flurry we got with Netflix and your Hulu's and. Definitely with your Mandalorians, I would mm. like to see that happen to games. And we, I feel like we kind of did this year in a sort of in reverse order because Microsoft's the only company doing it. And I really want to get on that xCloud beta because that's because because that exists and is like, oh, it's just the full fledged Xbox environment. Whereas Google launched this thing having all these Internet tools and didn't launch anything. <laughs> uh, whereas like people are in beta testing now, but Microsoft are a total cloud environment. I mean, I think you're right that cloud gaming is going to be some viable it's going to be viable at some point in the future and actually uh ken moss who's the cto of ea agrees with you uh because he did an interview with uh gamesindustry.biz um where he talks all about cloud gaming and its potential and how ea is excited you know ea has their own little thing called like project atlas that you know, in this interview, Moss just says, well, this isn't meant to be a competitor with, you know, the other platforms. And, and if you remember, they're actually partnering with Microsoft using xCloud tech. Um, mm-hmm. But what's interesting is, you know, he says a lot of really cool stuff. I, I do encourage you to go find go find this interview. But uh, some of the stuff he says uh, is that he feels cloud gaming has the potential to bring in another billion with a B, billion players uh, to expand the, the total, you know, gaming market, which is this is uh, comes shortly after Bobby Kotick said something very similar uh, just last week. And, you know. I think, you know, that's tough for us to, to wrap our heads around when we think of, like, console and PC world, but these guys are also talking mobile. Mobile, you know, once you start in mobile, mobile is what's made basically the potential gaming audience at this point. Ken Moss in this interview was saying, like, 2.6 billion people worldwide, mm-hmm. and he's saying we could potentially bring in another billion just with cloud stuff. It's, it's like we talked about last week, uh, Matt, that, like, um, when Disney Plus was launched, the viewership of Blackbeard's Ghost increased 400,000% over the last five decades. <laughs> and all of just, it was just Matt. Just just me yeah. and you. Yeah. Just me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I think the thing is that the, the real promise of something like Stadia, and remember how I said I was playing it for two days before it even showed up, is yeah. it's not going to be necessarily through that controller and the Chromecast Ultra. The real promise is that, like, Eventually, if you've got anything that can run a web browser, you'll be able to like plug a controller into it and play console games. Like yeah, yeah that that's the the real appeal. And I think if we can get to a point where people don't have to worry about bandwidth caps, 
then that that has the potential to yeah draw in a lot of other people who wouldn't normally like be able to afford uh, a full-fledged console but they can maybe afford a dual shock and a game that they buy mm-hmm. through stadia I, I know and that's 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 what i sort of wanted but i'm actually a little disappointed in the launch lineup in that google only chose the huge budget 3d games because they wanted us to like abandon our consoles but if like if they chose like a bunch of downloadable stuff and like loaded it up with shovel knight s stuff <laughs> it would make wouldn't it make more sense well, what I think what all these companies, when things sort of switch over, there sort of becomes a tipping point of convenience. I think convenience is the commodity that they're yes. all looking for where things yeah. start to work. When it gets to the point where, yeah, you just boot up your phone, you go to your browser, and you're there. I don't think the issue of whether or not something is playing on like true 4K is really going to be the thing that sort of makes cloud gaming successful. Right. But but like I, I, I believe I believe the case is... You can't 4K game on your browser yet right. or on your phone. They've optimized the Chromecast and TV experience as a priority, yeah. and, and that the, even that doesn't meet the promise. No, you're, you act, you make a wonderful point, though, and you're absolutely right, but I think the issue is is for the people that pay the $130, these are, right. these are your early adopters. These are the people that are there for the tech, and so the tech really should right. work for these early people because these are the people that you, you hope will become evangelists for your tech. Those aren't the people who are going to bring in those extra billions, you know, of, yeah. of people. Like, those people are just the people you're like, hey, check out this app I have on my phone, and then you're just playing Shovel Knight on your phone on a website, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but th- those are the people you hope, though, will event- they, you want them to evangelize your product, and they yeah. they help spread the word about this project, uh, this product. Mm-hmm. Um, one other interesting thing that Ken Moss says, and he's we keep talking it up, and you mentioned it earlier, Chris, is the subscription mm-hmm. stuff of the Game Pass, and, and he really says, you know, EA seems to be big believers in the combination of streaming tech with subscriptions now yes. take it you this is a man who you know they have ea origin or ea uh what's what's the ea um the one that you pay the the subscription access for? Yeah. access so yeah origin it's, access well there's ea access and there's right access it's it's yes it's a little confusing <laughs> um but yeah, he, he says, you know, we've seen in other forms of entertainment that cloud streaming has been most effective when partnered with the subscription model. When those two come together is when the magic happens in either forms of entertainment or in other forms of entertainment. We see the same thing happening in gaming. We've been pushing forward on the subscription front uh, pretty effectively. We have our PC subscription. We have an Xbox one and now we have a PlayStation one. So, he, you know, he's really showing I think that's where EA is leaning. Like that's where they're going to be going is, is EA access coupled with streaming. And so you can, I mean, he, they're, he's not officially announcing it, but you can easily see like, oh yeah, there will probably, it'll either be an additional tier of EA access that, that opens you up to streaming or it's just everyone who pays for EA access it's so, gets it. It's so bizarre that EA is one of the biggest companies in the universe, right? And if they launch their own like Disney plus service, like who would want that? <laughs> You get all the FIFAs from yeah. FIFA 95 to like FIFA <laughs> well, they've 96. Had they've had it for three or four years. And I mean, I don't know what the subscription numbers are, but I I dip in and out of it occasionally. Like if I want to play like, oh, I'll, I'll play this year's Madden or whatever. And I'll, but it's it's nothing where I'm like maintaining that subscription. Like I know, I it's just, it's just weird that they have like almost no identity despite being this big in the culture. Mm. Well, it, it also, it, it it's what we always talk about. 
what I was just talking about earlier is it all boils down to the games. And so you do have to have like a pretty extensive deep catalog for people to want to subscribe. The thing about Stadia is that like the, the launch library is like, these are great games. These are games that were great a year ago when I played through them. So I'm a little less excited to jump in. Yeah, I, I say this bummed because I do believe this is the future and I'm mad at Google for kind of bungling this because I don't want it I don't want it to chase this away the way like uh for lack of a better comparison, the way AT&T you remember, do you remember those Tom Selleck commercials from like the early nineties where they promised us video calls and they brought up the shitty video oh, yeah. yes. phone software <laughs> yes. and like it, it, it like it held off the technology for another ten years because of how expensive and stupid that was. <laughs> Just thinking, ever have a conference call on the beach? You, you will. will. <laughs> oh. And now we all have video called th- in our pockets all the time. Yeah, a- AT&T's botched entry into the video calling field kept us from that technology being achieved by, I think, almost a decade. And granted, things happen quicker now. But like, I don't know of a company. If, if Google fails, I don't see a, a company... A, a smaller company entering in this field and I need them to succeed in order for to get more games to more people for less money that also somehow makes developers more money. I don't know how that formula works, but it's working for all other forms of entertainment right now. Well, what I always notice too is when it, when it happens and when that stuff hits, like video calling is a great example. There was no fanfare. It was just sort of one day we all realized like, oh, I can Skype video anytime I want. Like, it just sort of happened, and I feel like that might be the case with streaming for games as well. It's, yeah, it's I not, think so, too, because Skype sucked forever up until this day, <laughs> and people it's, accept it's it. It's a bit like downloadable games where it's all of a sudden just like, we bef- before we realize it, it's like, oh, that's how we buy all our games. Like, it just, it, it's you'll a slower quality. Process. You'll accept uh, sacrifices in quality for convenience, like, uh, like, uh, like, like. Steve or, or Woody was saying earlier, I can't, I, I can't distinguish your voice. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but let's say, but yeah, yeah, people will, yeah. people will sacrifice quality for. I mean, it happens with Netflix constantly. We mm-hmm. uh, shows all the rage. Everyone's talking about it. I'm like, this is objectively terrible. But you got it for free. Yeah. <laughs> and it wasn't any work to find it. You already had access to it. Yeah, it came up first yeah. on the Netflix algorithm. Yeah, I don't think. I don't know whether or not Stadia will be a big success, but I don't. There's no way that Google will be out of the streaming business. I mean, like, this is has, has probably true. Has Sony confirmed? I, I might be a little out of touch with it. Has Sony confirmed that the PS5 is not going to have any physical media, or is that still just no? A rumor? They, everyone is still way too afraid from the debacle of, of the that. Xbox One announcing that. Okay, that I'm sure no one has yeah. the guts to announce that for their new console. Yep, yep. Uh. Another technology that may not have the adoption people originally thought it would, is VR. Mm-hmm. Yeah, didn't I see something today of like somebody saying, like, VR is just be- being kept alive by people with deep pockets. Like, there- there's no widespread adoption here. Well, Xbox's Phil Spencer uh, mm-hmm. did an interview with, when he was... <laughs> this is an interview with Steve Iver at XO19. And he said uh, Scarlet, Project Scarlet is not going to focus on VR because, and I, and I quote here, nobody's asking for it. Yeah. Uh, so to expand on his quote a little bit, uh, we're responding to what our customers are asking for and nobody's asking for VR. Uh, the vast majority of our customers know if they want a VR experience. There's places to go get those. We see the volumes of those on PC and other places, meaning PlayStation VR. Um, <laughs> nobody's selling millions and millions of VR units. I think we might get there eventually, Spencer added. But yeah, that's not where our focus is. It's kind of like 
3D technology. That in VR, like every 10 years, people will get real excited about it and try and bring it back. And then we all remember we just don't really – this isn't just a very – this just isn't a very fun way to consume media. I think you can – you can have experiences in VR that you cannot have in any other medium. Like like I said, Super Hot VR is yeah. a completely different game than regular Super Hot. And there's no way that yeah. you could do Grid Grid VR is fantastic. Yeah. Hmm. But like you know, it's it's these these are all very limited experiences that are being offered. They are. Part of it is yeah. that they have to be limited because like, well, there's a certain percentage of gamers who get motion sickness and we, we want them to still be able to play the game, so you get these kind of like weird stationary experiences where you're not, you know, flying through virtual worlds or whatever cool thing you thought you'd be doing in VR. We'll all eventually meet in the goddamn middle. Mm-hmm. Fuck. Well, maybe, I mean, maybe Half-Life Alex will get us there yeah. because, I mean, yeah. that trailer was super impressive. But I think it has more to do with what you guys were saying earlier is that VR's biggest problem is a convenience problem, is that it is, yeah. it, I mean, if if we've anyone's used a VR rig uh, regularly, it's a pain in the ass to get it out, especially. It, it, to this day, I was thinking about it the other day. It's like, it's like when we laugh at depictions of the future <laughs> when a guy gets home from work and, like, loosens his tie and then steps into his VR suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That is kind of how being with VR, oh. I have to, like, push my coffee table up against the wall yeah. and, like, set the lights just right. Undown the shade so no one sees my shame. <laughs> Just the cables alone are ridiculous, but that's why yeah. things like Oculus Quest really interest me because if it's just the headset that you're putting on and it becomes convenient and easy to use and yet and still and you're not sacrificing too much with the quality and the power, that's where VR does start to make more sense. But again, it really does need that kind of killer app. And so far, what we've been getting are. Uh, what's the best way I can describe it? Um, Astrobot's the best game of the year. Well, well, yes, and it's on sale, and I just picked it up, and it's amazing. Um, but no, mall VR, mall simulators of like the '80s, right? Like that's basically a lot of VR games are just like those ten-minute simulator experiences. Mm-hmm. They're they're more gimmicky than anything well, else. And, and as someone who owns an Oculus Quest, I can say like it's amazing. But are you really going to do that as opposed to just play the new game that you bought last week and you want to get through? Yeah, I mean, there's, it's astounding how often I will match gems instead of playing my brand new sixty dollars PS4 game. So, my question about VR for you guys is because, like, based on this interview, is like, okay, the Xbox Scarlet isn't going to focus on VR, but to me, it seems like VR is in kind of a okay place right now in the sense that, like, it's sort of this weird anomaly that has games that people are making that you can pull out occasionally. Because that's all I want from it. I don't want a the new console to be folk. I don't want a new console to be focused on VR. To me, there's games that play well in VR and are a cool experience, and then there's the games yeah. you don't want to play in VR. So it's like to me, that's where VR should be. Well, I, I agree with you. It's it's a nice niche market right now, and Sony, by all accounts, has made plenty of money on the PSVR. Um, but I think if you were following a lot of game sites just three or four years ago, it was. Like every, you couldn't avoid right. articles about VR, and that's that's no longer the case. Right, but that's an like, issue of just overhype. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But to the point where like GDC uh, next year has its own like VR track and stuff still, right? And so there's still people that are really pushing it and think it's going to be some future of the industry. Whereas I think it's more going to be just like this parallel niche uh, part of the industry of like, yeah, you'll have your regular kind of gaming experiences, and then you'll have VR. I don't think it's the it's the future of the entire industry, but it is it is 
I am more interested in, in, in playing something in VR right now than a regular thing that I've played before. But why do we have that tendency to always say, like, oh, streaming is going to overtake the rest of gaming or VR is going to overtake it? Like, why can't these things just coexist and coexist? be their own little thing? Of course they can coexist. They still coexist. They coexist right now. I, I like, I have nowhere else to say this. I like Disney Plus. Like, I went into Target and like, oh, my God. Disney 4K Blu-rays are under $20 for the first time ever because Disney Plus drove the price down. Mm. It doesn't make any sense anymore. But there'll always be Disney movies in Target. Can you imagine a future that doesn't exist? No, no, that's what I'm saying is, I guess what I'm saying is the reality is they can coexist, but it's like every, every time a new tech comes up, like all the think pieces are written about like, this is going to overtake this thing. And the reality is, it's like, no, it'll just be another, I mean, that's what we've been oh. saying about the streaming thing for a while. It's like, this will just be another way we can play games. And that's great. We can't wait for it. We've until seen it's in tech viable. a billion times, convenience and, and cheap <laughs> will overtake everything all the time. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, but, but, but there's still a premium experience to be had. And having spent a little time in LA, like there's a there's a bunch of people out there like kind of champing at the at the I don't know the dick to uh, <laughs> to jump to jump on the VR train one way or the other. And like I just remember being in a conversation with someone who didn't who worked in VR but had never heard of Steam. Like that's that's huh, where that what? industry was. Wow. Yeah, they're, they're dying. Well, because like there's people who don't make games who want to produce things in VR. Mm. I did see a comment from someone saying that like. I work in interior design, and VR is an incredible visualization tool, and I think that's the future of the industry, of the, the interior design industry. But I don't know. For games, it's like, eh, it's hit or miss. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, the, people have someone there was an article that expanded on – I brought that up, right, that the Mandalorian is sort of brought about through Unreal and VR. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, and so was the Lion King. Like, there's, there's, other, there's other applications you can use even within your house <laughs> – that don't necessarily involve data processing. Oh yeah, or making Jesus weep. <laughs> well, speaking of one, speaking of one application oh, of VR, yeah. <laughs> and, and these are people calling bullshit on Phil Spencer. There are people asking for VR. Apparently, cows in Moscow, <laughs> because Moscow area farmers strapped VR headsets to cows that made them believe they were in sunny fields outdoor, and it actually improved the quality, their mood. And their milk production. What kind of fucking dystopian future yeah. are we living in that cows are walking around with VR headsets thinking they're yeah. outdoors to produce better milk? I'm, I'm writing the YA novel in my head them. right now. Yeah, like, <laughs> it's ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this is a crazy news story, but to me, it's like, it's so sort of intrinsically sad of like, it's <laughs> they, they, they live in this horrible, like, just cradle to grave, like, tight existence and they're like i know let's give them vr headsets you know yeah. i mean it is <laughs> what it, happens it's, when the cows figure out they're yeah. living in a simulation it is the matrix for cows the which trick is, is, it is. Yeah. oh god yeah the trick is taking off the helmet before you put the bolt in their head <laughs> oh just to oh, give them that one quick moment of like oh my god that, like that guy who copies and pastes faces on people on youtube please put cows in the matrix that'd be so funny <laughs> Don't make don't let Chick-fil-A have that be their Super Bowl commercial. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's certainly terrifying, but mm-hmm. maybe not as terrifying as Hideo Kojima's next game. Uh, he was out on Twitter uh, saying, well, I'll quote his tweet here. As to make the scariest horror game, I'll watch the scary movies in order to awaken my horror soul. <laughs> the eye is the Thai horror movie I rent when making PT, but it was too scary to finish watching. The package is scary, so I rented the disc only. Will I be able to finish watching? Now, that is that's a <laughs> Kojima tweet. 
But wow. he, what he's saying is, this is the guy who made PT wants to make another horror game. I mean, yeah, he he made he's already made one of the scariest horror games ever, and like PT is still terrifying. It, yeah, if you can play it, that's, that's, that's that the, kind of the scariest blood. part. That's no one can play it. The most terrifying part it. is thinking it might be taken away from you someday. <laughs> yes. I've actually uh, grown totally fine with it. Don't care. I, I wake up every morning never thinking about PT. <laughs> I thought you were going to well, say, like, I wake up every morning and I play PT and I'm like, oh, hey, ghost. <laughs> <laughs> What's up? I'm so glad you've been attached to my back the whole time. <laughs> the whole time. It was always there. Yeah, yeah. the camera just yeah. was hiding it. No, I mean, as someone who is playing and enjoying the hell out of Death Stranding, like, and yeah, I'll admit, I was a bit skeptical of what Kojima Productions could do. I was like, oh my god, what does Kojima Unchained actually look like? Turns out, pretty fun game. Uh, And so, yeah, uh, if he wants to to take a shot at horror, like a real full horror game, and not just this playable teaser, uh, fucking have at it, dude. Can't wait. Can't wait to be scared. It'll be weird as hell. I'm excited. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a guarantee. Uh, well then last bit of news, uh, obviously, you know, you're, you're listening to this. It's the day after Thanksgiving. It's Black Friday. Oh yeah. Happy I didn't, Black Friday, everybody. Happy Black Friday. I didn't pull up a lot of deals cause to be honest guys, uh, if we want to do our quick deal segment, pretty much all of the, the big platforms, Steam, Xbox, and PlayStation 4, they have the best deals on digital versions of games. So, so just go mm. check there if you want to yeah. check out games. If you want to I mean, go check Steam's out console bundles. An and, autumn sale mm-hmm. right now. The, the the best deal I, I saw that I would recommend I think the PS4 Pro is two ninety nine almost everywhere, mm-hmm. and that the Xbox One X Jedi Fallen Order Edition is one hundred and fifty dollars off. Wow. Okay. So if you don't have an Xbox, three hundred fifty dollars for a fi- including a fifty dollar game, that's pretty pretty dang great. Yeah. I, I, I since I, I since I, I, I apologize for ducking out on VJ last week and didn't get to talk about Jedi Fallen Order. My only complaint about that game, mm-hmm. I hate their slides and their Wookies look like shit, but I'm having a great time. <laughs> I agree with both of that. I also think the lead is a little bland, but like that game is phenomenal. It's like every, the name, more name I play, a movie yeah. with, with that doesn't have a bland Jedi. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it's in keeping with the series, but yeah. yeah. But he has a cool droid, so I bought the action. Man, game. I am all about BD One right now. Screw Baby Yoda. Screw Porgs. BD One. Exactly. That's where I was yeah. last week too. Uh, but yeah, so there's a lot of good deals on the digital stores. Just go find those, and and I bet if there's a game that you've been wanting and it's on your wish list, I already went and, and bought a couple myself. Just just go buy those. You know, uh, no, I saw it at, at Best Buy. It doesn't feel like it's been that long, but maybe it has. Like God of War was nine ninety nine, and Spider Man was twelve. Oh my God, fourteen ninety nine. Because those are both like, down to the twenty normally, right? They're they're like greatest yeah. hits. Yeah, yeah, they're greatest hits. But like that's that's a phenomenal that's price. Absolutely, so much game for ten dollars. You Just can go, buy yeah, essentially no every great game, almost every great game. If you spend a hundred dollars on a PS four, like your PS four library. You would have ten of the greatest games ever made. Yeah, you would have like Bloodborne, Last of Us Remastered, Uncharted Four, Spider Man, God of War, yeah, Horizon. Like wow. it's crazy the ten dollar games available for PS4. Yeah. Speaking of your PlayStation library, the December PS Plus games were announced: uh, Titanfall Two, which okay, very good game, few years old mm-hmm. though, and then Monster Energy Supercross. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stranding. There is only oh. one Monster Energy Drink game that I play, and that is Death My Stranding. favorite game of 2013 is finally available for everyone. <laughs> um, so, yeah, Titanfall 2 is great. Uh, and then, yeah, you can still pick up, uh, as of this listening, Outlast 2 and Neo. Neo, if you don't sleep on Neo. Neo is really good if you, if you like Souls-like games as well. Xbox games with gold this month are a little bit better. 
Uh, they have insane robots, which I'd never heard of, but Jurassic World Evolution. That's the, um, the frontier developers people that they, it's, it's a simulation yeah. game where you're basically running a Jurassic oh, Park. Yeah. I've heard good things about that one. Like yeah. SimCity, but for Jurassic yeah. Park. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what could go wrong? <laughs> Don't stop and think if you should. <laughs> <Just kidding. laughs> right. <laughs> The 360 games are, uh, oddly enough, Toy Story 3. Okay, hey, it must be a title. Than than excellent. I'll go to bat like, for Toy Story 3, yeah. I, I will 100% go to bat for that game. That was the origin of the Toy Box mode, mm. which is way ah. more fun than the actual story mode included in the game. And Toy Box mode kind of laid the groundwork for Disney Infinity. Yeah. Uh, definitely. Which I'm just no amazed that they're exists. still giving out games mm. for Xbox 360. Well, and then the last yeah. game is Castlevania Lords of Shadow Mirror of Fate, long yes. name. Uh, the the last two D style metro the last two D Metroidvania style Castlevania. Oh wow! Right, I slept well, on that yes. one completely. Uh, I think Lords of Shadow kind of turned me off to it, but like I, I'm I'm on board with a two D side scrolling one. Yeah, I mean it is it is Lords of Shadow. It's by the Spanish developer Mercury Steam, but I think it's underrated. Like this, it's really? a, it's a really fun two D Castlevania. Um, that nice. I think gives a lot more depth to the characters and kind of made me enjoy uh, Lords of Shadow 2 more than I should have. <laughs> but uh, yeah, check mm. it out. Very cool. Well, that is all the news that's fit to play. Mm. Well, it's time to move on to the community segment, which is always is segmenting our, our community. community. Uh, last week's question of the week, as you might remember, was what video game baddie would you want to play through a game as if you knew that they would still lose at the end, so you would be playing through a losing story. Um, Chris, uh, Steve, what do you guys weren't here last week? Do you have answers? Yeah, I do. Go ahead. Um, I would argue for, I would like to play through a game as Carmen San Diego. Oh, because um, I would be very curious. Ooh. There are parts in that game where you're chasing for those games. They're like old edutainment games. and You're chasing after Carmen. And at some points in the game, she's like, Carmen Sandiego stole the Taj Mahal. Like, how are you going to find her? And you get these yeah. clues. And I really want to play that section where you're Carmen Sandiego and you have to figure out how to steal the Taj Mahal. I <laughs> love that. That's can... a girl in a burgundy dress yeah. in Bo- uh, Bozeman, Montana with a giant castle behind yeah. her. That could be like a Katamari Damashi style. This is, yeah. game. This is yeah. a great answer, but I, I don't think you're being the spirit of the question because Carmen always won. I never caught Carmen Sandiego. Oh. She always wins. Because <laughs> you never stuck in there long enough. It's because you only have like 15 minutes during break time between where you like finished your typing lesson to actually play the game. And you had to go to your next class. You people are unbelievable. The rest of us boppers are going to get down to <laughs> I think for my answer, I would probably go with GLaDOS from the Portal series. Yeah, I like that. Uh, oh, shit. It'd be pretty fun to build up those puzzle levels and kind of do it from a constructor point of view. Uh, and try to and, put, uh, like, weird cool. traps. Like, you have the person going through the portal, and you, like, put the spikes right in front of them exactly. so they shoot into the spikes. It could be kind of like the Deception games on PS1 or something like that. I think that could be a yeah. fun way to play that. And then you turn into a potato at one point. Yes. And I think it's it's high time for Nintendo to address uh, in this this year of uh, wokiness and tropiness. What does Bowser want from, yeah. from Princess Peach? Yeah, it's a real question. And like, uh, he put her in a wedding dress in the last one, so like you you want to steer away from sex, but they steered somehow closer to it with the last three. <laughs> well, Super Mario Sunshine had the creepiest thing, where Bowser just kept insisting that Peach was Bowser Jr.'s mother. Oh yeah, yeah. It was yes. like the whole plot yes. of that game, just gaslighting. Yeah, that's the kind of thing that's on. fascinating. Like, what did he lose in his life, and what does he need right now that he thinks Princess Peach can replace? 
I don't even really need him to be sympathetic. I just want to see him portrayed as a psycho. <laughs> I mean, we did get that deleted scene of the Super Mario movie that they had revealed a few weeps ago so maybe that helps oh i don't Fuck think i that saw shit. this paps blue ribbon mario oh, shit. <laughs> so chris what you want to see is basically the joker movie but with bowser <laughs> i definitely do i want to see dennis hopper dancing on the stairs in the 1970s <laughs> you know what they oh, say man. about little girls <laughs> <laughs> God, I wish it was dead now. thank you <laughs> oh what a great movie all right oh man well on twitter uh at I am not a twit says Giovanni from the Pokemon series. I would like to play as the crime boss from his humble beginnings and how he made one of the most fearsome criminal enterprises in the Pokemon world and how Team Rocket was dismantled by the police with the aid of a 10 year old <laughs> out of his depth. <laughs> I love that idea. Yeah. GTA Pokemon. I love it. Yeah. At the Bobo Hotep, short but sweet, <laughs> he says, the boss from MGS3 Snake Eater. Best Absolutely. Answer. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. I mean, yeah. any. I want to see that story. Any villain from yes. the Metal Gear Solids game is the best answer. Like, what's the Psycho Mantis game like? Oh, God. You know? like, <laughs> that's just sorting through <laughs> your memory card. Like, really in this files. office. Yeah. <laughs> You're just transferring save files from, <laughs> yeah. from memory card to memory that's card. True. We do that every time we boot up the N64. Yeah, so. This player has terrible taste in games. <laughs> Are you playing with a Island? controller? Your mom is poor and single. <laughs> I see you like the guy game. What's wrong? With you? <laughs> We're calling the police. <laughs> but yeah, no, the boss is the boss is a great answer because that that is such a tragic anti-hero narrative and you don't know the full extent of it until you finish that game. And that that would just be really cool to to see it from her perspective. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Still, I'm still can't get over Carmen San Diego. That's a great answer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's the winning answer, I think. Yeah, <laughs> because there's, there's not that many games named after the villain. Yeah, not too many. Now that I'm yeah. thinking about it. Oh, uh, so at uh, Milk Toasted says uh, in Zelda: Ocarina of Time, Ganondorf seems like he's been on a cool quest for four games already, and it all comes together for him on Hyrule Field. Oh, yeah, That's point. a cool idea. Like uh, his his uh, rise to power, his Machiavellian uh, efforts and mm-hmm. everything. That'd be a kind of cool game. He's nearing the the climax of his villain's journey when you meet him for the first time. Yeah, just kind of yeah. riding through the fields, like clutching Zelda, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Um, all right. So Todd Harrison says Resident Evil Three. The gameplay would be reminiscent of something like Friday the 13th, timely, mm. as you have to hunt down Jill, but you can only do that if Jill spends too much time in one area. What sets it apart is that you get to have all these cool powers, like bursting through windows, a tentacle arm, your own theme music, and you can even press X to stars. 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 Oh, oh stars. stars. I'm sorry, I never played Resident Evil 3. <laughs> yeah, you're supposed to fail. Um, at the end of the game, but that was also the case in Halo Reach, and people still gave that game 8 out of 10s. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. That, that's the hard great. thing about this question, is you need a villain that's, like, very active and kind of with you the whole way, because there's so many villains that are just kind of on their throne. Monologuing. Then, yeah. yeah, exactly, and, like, I don't care what that person's doing, and so then it uses the heroes trying to work their way towards them. Like, Nemesis yeah. is cool, because he's sort of in that story the whole time. Right. 
Yeah, I think someone someone commented like Kefka from Final Fantasy, and I'm like, well, wait, that would just be the Joker movie. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Well, and then in the second half of the game, you've just ascended to godhood, and you're just right. sort of yeah. like looking out over the world until like the 16 people come for you to annihilate. It's just a reservoir poisoning simulator at that point. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> just imagining like, yeah, now you, you're playing a game with a villain just sitting on his throne the whole time and you have to find things to entertain yourself yeah. <laughs> while you wait for the hero to come. And it's like, oh, I guess I'll... I, I hear the new Updike is in Reader's Digest. <laughs> oh, I, I guess I'll buy more gems. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, maybe I'll play a different video game. Oh, Castlevania, sure. Why not? These robot walkers are kind of starting to look sexy. <laughs> <laughs> Finally. I was waiting for someone to go to for a masturbation. <laughs> yeah, so it's there we just, go. It's just a, a long, lonely jerk-off game. <laughs> <laughs> That's in VR uh, right can there. Someone change That's, the, the VR. The That's a VR killer app. Once we get it fixed. <laughs> Uh, Noah Tackett says the Lich King from World of Warcraft. Mm. He has a great design, powerful dude with a sick ass skeletal <laughs> dragon mount. Well, have I got news for you? If you play Warcraft three, you get to play as Arthas before <laughs> yes. he becomes the Lich King. Ooh. So you can play through that story, kinda. A little bit, yeah. You play through part of it. Yeah, you play through the origin story. He gave, what gave that away when he said from World of Warcraft? I'm like, uh oh, uh oh. <laughs> <laughs> I jumped out of cataclysm. No one remembers that joke. That woman deleted her YouTube video. Cataclysm? She couldn't pronounce, she couldn't pronounce cataclysm. <laughs> cataclysm. I like cataclysm more. I thought, yeah, I thought maybe she was great. trying to pronounce mispronounced uh, Catholicism. <laughs> no, she was trying. She was trying to bite some nerd stees and couldn't couldn't pronounce well, cataclysm. That's like millions of Blizzard fans who say Diablo. Oh yeah. No, it's Diablo, please, mm-hmm. for the record. In America, exclusive. That's the thing with the little sticks, right, where you juggle it around? Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you must defeat Diablo. <laughs> Terrible. Uh, okay, new question of the week. Have you ever backed a crowdfunded game and absolutely loved it? If so, uh, what is it? I guess in my case, the only one is uh, Friday the 13th. Uh, I think Chris loved it more than I did. Uh, I've I've certainly had a lot of fun with it. Uh, I did not back it. Hmm? <laughs> I did not. No, back you it at actually all. got my extra copy. I, I mm, gave it to I you. Did? Yes, because I got it for PC and PS4, and that that was like at the the tier like the sixty dollar tier because they're like we'll give you two copies of the game. And I'm like okay, and I gave you the 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 extra one. So thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> Full disclosure again. Um, <laughs> The one I wish I'd backed was Night in the Woods, which uh, mm. is a really fantastic game that I absolutely love and uh, think everyone should play. Yeah. I didn't back any of these, but but I still I have to say, like, originally when you stated the question, it was crowdfunding. Mystery Science Theater 3000 is my favorite thing that's ever happened. And although we're living in a weird moment where they're telling us it's canceled, as they've announced, a twenty, it's like the first TV show to get a 24-hour Twitch channel. Like, it's not... It's only going to be seen by more people. Mm. Uh, that's the greatest thing. I, I I don't know. Mystery Science Theater 2000 has been one of the greatest forces in my life for 30 years. And I, I've i never given something hundreds of dollars and not regretted it that much. Mm. I think the good news is it, was it, it keeps coming back in some way, shape, or form. So yeah. I, I don't think it's absolutely dead. I hope not. Yeah, it's just mm. dead for now. Yeah, I, I'm trying to give people hope. Just, just, just it, like, what about the idea? Because someone's like, "Hey, what about Disney Plus? They don't have shit going on. That thing's PG as hell." I'm like, <laughs> "That's a really good idea. Yeah. Like to watch their th- these terrible Disney movies mm-hmm. 
watching Blackbeard's Ghost yeah. and Something Wicked This Way Comes. And what if the, every season Mystery Science Theater 3000 jumped to a different streaming service and made fun of yeah. those? What if movies? they did Sammy the Way Out Seal? <laughs> God damn it, that'd be so fun! <laughs> oh! Fuck! Oh, man. Uh, for me. Punch through my this, monitor. This is an easy one. Um, I absolutely loved Shadowrun for the Super Nintendo. And so when Harebrained Schemes, uh, who was is headed up by by the dude who like basically was the creative force behind Shadowrun, um, J- uh, Jordan Weissman is his name, I believe. Uh, they announced Shadowrun Returns. I was there from the start. Uh, loved the game. And it's funny because that series sort of made me fall back in love with turn-based tactical mm-hmm. games because, you know, the original Shadowrun games for Super Nintendo were not turn-based. It was, you know, it was kind of like, I guess you could call it action RPG with the shooting and stuff. Yeah. But I loved Shadowrun Returns. And I love the fact that, like, they were then able to do another Kickstarter round and they had the, the Dragonfall follow-up. Uh, and yeah, man, I just, I, I love that universe. I love that setting. I am a huge fan of cyberpunk in general. Uh, and so, yeah, it was one of, one of the first things I ever kickstarted and do not regret it to this day. Uh, excellent games, definitely worth checking out. If you like turn-based tactical games, or if you like cyberpunk, uh, or if you've played the tab- uh, the Shadowrun tabletop, or if you played the Super Nintendo or Genesis games and want more Shadowrun, uh, they're kind of it. Like they even got... I think one of their stretch goals was, and they went out and they got like the dude who did the music for the Super Nintendo game, and it's legit. And there's an episode of VG Empire uh, where Brett just talks about Shadowrun music, and it's really good. Hmm, fantastic, Steve. What do you? Uh, here, why don't you go? First? Sure. Oh. Um, well, since Chris talked about a non-video game thing, I'm actually going to talk about a board game that I ended up backing. Um, okay. Because I had a friend who is an artist for board games, and she's like, "Hey, I need someone to come up and do a hand model." Um, so I went over and she took pictures of my hands. Um, and then when this game came out, which was called Path of Light and Shadow, um, it was a Kickstarter board game. It's kind of a territory control, half uh, Dominion deck based thing. Basically, the person on this cover is this giant warlord with this big axe and big beard. And I looked at that and I'm like, hey, that's clearly me. So if you look at this game, Path of Light and Shadow, and you, I, there's I like me. But with a huge warlord beard. And, like, I do not look like the kind of person who should have a warlord <laughs> beard. So I ended up kickstarting that to get a copy of it. And I've all played the game about only about twice. It's kind of one of those overly complicated games that takes about two hours to get going. Um, but every time I look at the box, I am very happy to have it. I so, did not yeah. know this about you. That's hilarious. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's awesome. This A similar thing happened to me. We, we, we The company I work for shared a, a booth with, like, namco and walking dead one year and they were a game company and they they had all these pictures of uh uh, people holding controllers and tablets and i'm i modeled my hands for that shoot and i just remember the british executive walking up like oh you got a thing for hairy models i'm like (laughs) (laughs) those are my hands great i didn't know i was weird thank you um Oh my goodness! Didn't know. Now I have. I'm sensitive towards my hands. One other thing, my body to hate. One other thing to hate about myself. Thank you so much. <laughs> yes, Chris has Hobbit hands. His hands just have hair for days. <laughs> They're not as crazy as you'd think. <laughs> I'll send you a picture. Uh, for That's me, true. I think uh, I, the only Kickstarter I ever funded was the Forty Winks one, which I did not love. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think you know, if we're if we're talking about ones that I wish I had funded, um, I would. Pro- yeah, I would. I would definitely second uh, Night in the Woods, and I would also go with. Um, 
Octodad, the deadliest catch. Cat, the deadliest, the deadliest catch. Yeah. Excuse me, the uh, the deadliest catch. The most uh, the the most hilarious game I've never been able to finish because how uh but it's intentionally <laughs> intentionally carefully. frustrating uh completely ridiculous game that's kind of just right within my sense of humor uh, uh yeah it's it's a lot of fun it's kind of available everywhere now but yeah that game's a lot of fun um i also want to add that i i also funded or helped fund uh bloodstained oh yeah and i it, the interesting thing about that is that like i uh, paid in. I bought in like years ago at the hundred dollar level, so that I could have my name in the credits, which was a dream of mine at the time. Like just to have my name in the credits of a video game, that seemed incredible. And since then, I've had my like the game just came out this year, and I've had my name in about twenty different video game credits. <laughs> since then. Yeah. So yeah, it turns out to not mean that much, right? Uh, well, it, it it means a little less now, but uh, now that you know, now that, now that you know, the guy who delivers your water is in the credits of like not. every game. What game was it that had like the four hour? Oh, it was Mighty Number no. Nine. They had they had a four hour long credits because they had sixty seven thousand backers and they listed all of them. So the credits are actually longest part longer of the game. Than but, the game, yeah. But also, Bloodstained is weird because I think uh, Bloodstained: Curse of the Moon, like the the quasi eight bit game that came out. Uh, a while ago, might actually be better than the final yeah. game that people paid into. Mm. Like the the stretch goal mm. was better than the final game. It might be less repetitive. Yeah. Mm. All right. So, what is a game that you have crowdfunded and loved? Let us know. Uh, hit us up on the official Laser Time community on Facebook. There'll be a thread there where you can answer, or you can ping us at VG Apocalypse on Twitter. Um, the and website eventually. Hold the website it. eventually. Like, apparently it was working briefly because I got, like, some some spam notifications. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, people are posting comments. Oh, now it's down. They're all <laughs> Russian hours bots. Every, hours of my day every posting. day getting that thing almost working. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, let's go out with some plugs. That's the end of our show. But uh, Woody and Steve, tell us more about Ultra 64 and where people can find it. Absolutely. So, yeah, we are Ultra 64. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and uh, Spotify, wherever you get podcasts, really. Uh you get a good starting episode where Michael and Diana Goodman came on to talk about uh, uh, GoldenEye 007. We had a really good time with that. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. Oh, it was great. It was great. We had uh, we have a Patreon that we just launched, patreon.com slash ultra64pod. We're releasing two bonus episodes a month and all kinds of extra little bonus goodies. And we if, also have yeah, another if, podcast. Um, if video games are not quite your thing, I don't know why you're listening to this podcast, but if you're more into like... Very pretentious, uh, fat literature. We have another podcast called Jest Friends, J-E-S-T, where we are reading through the book Infinite Jest Mm -hmm. by David Foster Wallace, (laughs) about 50 pages at a time, and talking about it every two weeks. Um, So if you have long wanted to give that book a try... But like me, have continually given up at about the 200 page mark. Mm-hmm. Now is your chance to have other people be frustrated with you over the internet. <laughs> yes, and women, if you would like to know quotes that would lead you to believe to not date somebody. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We've got a lot of those. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Listen to the show. I, I do want to hear that episode. That episode uh, with Michael and Diana, because I always forget that Diana is like. We talked uh, recently on 302010, where we mm. talked about the world 302010 years ago, how much of a James Bond fan Diana is. And she, like, when I poo-poo Goldeneye as a movie, mm. she gets really yeah. mad. Oh, yeah. She, she gave it a oh, very Goldeneye. spirited defense in the episode. Me, me and Diana are on yeah. the same page on Goldeneye. That's, like, my second favorite <laughs> Bond movie. I'm real. I'm all about that one. 
That's that's just the first Bond movie I can remember coming out. Yeah, me too. I'm in that same boat. <laughs> and and, and I, I uh, the game is a, a completely different thing to me because I kind of hate the movie, but I <laughs> love the game. <laughs> and I, I that Diana doesn't have a lot of experience with video games, but she knows a ton about Golden. Oh yeah, no, she knew that backwards and forwards. And she said that's one of the few games she's actually beaten. Uh, so like yes. yeah. So, uh, Matt, tell us about the uh, the great laser time galaxy of products. Wow, nicely done. Yeah, nice. <laughs> this is professionalism well, at one, its one finest. One right of there. the stars in that galaxy is uh, Cheap Podcast, the Laser Time Network's unprofessional podcast about professional wrestling. It is November, <laughs> which of course means Survivor Series, and to quote William Regal, "War Games." Uh, T.L. Foster and I have a friend of the show and frequent guest. Uh, we did a special preview episode available exclusively to patrons. And then we are recording and should have up very soon our full review of both Wall Games <laughs> and uh, Survivor Series. Uh, and then, you know, we have some other fun stuff planned. So check us out on the Twitter at Cheap Podcast and then follow me at Maddie C. Allen. Tons, tons of fun stuff coming to the patreon.com slash laser 10 this week as soon as I watch the Irishman for 30 minutes <laughs> and uh, uh, but oh man cannot wait yeah we're it's due to record fun. another uh, video game mm-hmm. 30 soon oh, so yeah, I need your up. help yeah. so much right now oh my god I can't wait to tell you why alright uh, a, a game I know you both can help me with uh, that I need to talk we need to talk about really bad <laughs> Oh man, my interest yeah, is so I'm, I'm I was not invited, curious. but I am so I curious. I am so into this. <laughs> oh, bothers me so much. All right. Well, as always, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at VG Apocalypse for updates about, for example, how to download the show if your feet's not working. Uh, and you can also follow me personally at Wikiparas. Anyway, that's been our show. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks so much to Steve and Woody for joining us this week. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you. It was a delight. Ultra 64! We'll see you next week! Are dick fingers delectable? <laughs> also, I feel like uh, a twi- you should invent a Twitch channel called British People Playing Cards Against Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. What is a cum belt? A cum belt? <laughs>